Welcome everybody to another episode of What Are You Guys Talking About? What are you guys talking about again? Oh, thanks, Eddie. Yes, this is our special. Uh, uh, this is our special. Like, um, how do I say? Double it? up. Oh, yeah. Our uh, our special revisit. This is. This is it's yeah, a Christmas Eve episode, though. We said we were going to do Christmas yeah. theme. So our original mm. Christmas theme episode was like two days ago, right? And we had this yeah. big old talk about Lovecraft Country, oh, which is great. our topic for today. And it was like a like jam and session. And, oh. and then unfortunately, what happens to indie filmmakers, we go to the end and then it was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And those <laughs> are the noises. My failed. Exactly. That is the noise every producer dreads. And it was like, the worst, <clears> though, I would say from a production standpoint, because this has happened not just with Ed and I, but with other people who have. And, the, you know, Ed doesn't work for me. This is the problem. This is my point. Like, they're so apologetic. And it's like, well... You know, like it happens like and it's something that maybe it's because, you know, one of my early mentors in, in the whole filmmaking thing, Katie Bonham, would just tell me stories of every time something cocked up. And I mean, I would always be like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe you paid that much money for that. And I can't believe that. And she said, like, it happens and you just have to deal. And that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Like, that's what I love about filmmaking, because it really the best thing is that there's not a lot of finger pointing. It's just a matter of let's just get moving on and get the thing done because we want to have something we can put up. So um, to that end today, you know, and there haven't been any finger pointing when it comes to Dirty 20. But today I really would love it if all of you would go and check out the, our special kind of Christmas present to you all courtesy of dirty 20 but we have done it's about two and a half hours long so time for you to watch over the break um we have done a special christmas one shot so that is three other people playing a DD game that can be wrapped up in a day like it's it's literally wrapped up in that session so start in to one finish. session yeah. i am telling you and and this i feel like i'm qualified to say this because that's why i produce this i am not the D&D nerd of the group. Like, I am the one who, who got into D&D because Ed likes it a lot, and I used to play it when I was a kid. This is fun, man. Like, it was really cool. It was such a joy to produce it, Ed, because... Like, it just is everything we go for in Dirty 20. So it's got, mm -hmm. you know, it's got the action. It's got the people laughing together. It's got mm -hmm. great camaraderie. And it has, I think, most importantly from my perspective, Dirty 20 for me is a vehicle to show you just how great D&D &D can be as a storytelling experience. This is it, guys. Mm -hmm. It's got music. It's got people talking stories. It's got a great atmosphere. If you ever wanted to try D&D, &D, all you yeah. have to do Pick up the one shot. It's literally on our website. You click on the Dirty 20 banner. It's at the top there. It'll say current episode. I've got the one sheet that's there. And it has actually also provided this magical supplement. Fest. It was, it's amazing to see in the thing. So yeah. in the thing, you see them rolling the dice. And there's all sorts of weird answers. And it just had me laughing the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Massive uh, shout out to Eric. Obviously, fan of fan of the podcast and uh, Photoshop is extraordinaire that's right that's right eric yeah. you know what will we do without you my friend and also jez and scott who decided to participate yeah. on this and did such a wonderful job but anyways that is our christmas present for the year to you guys and i'm telling you it's worth more than those of you who don't play DD &D will realize yeah. this is an if opportunity you've ever had yeah if you've ever had any curiosity about like what is this D, &D thing i think it's 
it's a it's a good thing to watch to just see what it's all about. That's right. And, I mean, you uh, literally you could know. you know grab your family, pick up some basic rules off the web because they're free from D and D. They never care. Mm-hmm. Get yourself mm-hmm. a couple D twenty or just pull one up on an app and look mm-hmm. at this one shot and play it, and you would have the mm-hmm. same experience. Like I said, for those of you, because usually what happens in D and D, it happened to me as well. People get nervous. They're like, oh man, I don't. I've never done D&D on Zoom before, or I've never mm. DM'd before, or I've never mm. done this before. Watch the video, and you've got it right there. You will literally have everything you need to do the, 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 do the, do the session. So, anyways, that's, that's my rant about it. I just thought it was <laughs> amazing, beautiful, and wonderful. You know, I'm so proud of what Ed's done with the Dirty 20 community this year. We have, you know, over 100 subscribers now, and it's growing every day. So, mm. thank you all so much for that, and, and to the rest of our LVP fans, like, please go check it out because there's a reason we're getting more and more people attracted to that, that particular channel that we have. Anyways, enough about that. Excellent. Merry Christmas, Excellent. everyone. You know? Merry Christmas, yes. Merry Christmas. So moving on, today we're going to be talking about Lovecraft Country and, and, and everything else in between, to be honest, because we're having a very indie Christmas around here. Um, <laughs> but we will be focusing mainly on Lovecraft Country. Our first discussion on this went two and a half hours. Now, yeah. unfortunately, as it's Christmas Eve, I do not have two and a half hours no. to, shoot, to shoot the breeze with Ed on this. So yeah. the funniest we, thing we, is... We've we, we probably got most of our points down, though, for this time around. That's what we say. We say, well, it was a great yeah. run through. What I will do at some point, if anyone... Like, I have to get a request on this because it is a bit odd. But if anyone wants to hear my half of it, which will sound really <laughs> weird, you know, obviously it's recorded and it's two and a half hours long and it will give you some insight into all the things we went into. But you will have long gaps where Ed would have been talking... Well, probably shorter gaps than mine. <laughs> but the points were... Yeah, if, it was, if it was just my side that had been recorded, that would not be a good listen. Let's, let's, let's be all honest. Right, all right. It's, it's time for Christmas, so we have to be honest. Listen, you probably have like a full podcast there in the two and a half hours because it's me and because I never <laughs> shut up. But if that's going to be like the worst... Like, oh, a, I, I love you, mate. Eddie, like, I, I think a lot have of... you but, any other and way. And that's what I mean. I think a lot of people can tolerate the podcast because to my like... <laughs> two-hour rants we also have your 15 minutes no, of mate. actual stuff no, so no mate like mo- like everyone who i've spoken to who's talked about the podcast uh has uh waxed lyrical about feeling like they've gotten to know us and how our dynamic is uh just really cool and 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 kind of adorable as well so i'm glad that it's coming through because i i feel like you know um I feel like we're personalities, and uh, and and hopefully anyone who listens to any of our stuff will will get that, particularly in the podcast. Well, I yeah, think this I mean, is it's, where we it's, mostly come through. From my perspective, guys, the benefit I have, and, and as I said, it's Christmas, so you can talk about all this stuff. You know, the benefit I have is this is my second job. Like I have a a first job which I trained most of my life for. You know, I, I was a lawyer, and now I'm an insurance consultant. But guys, that's where I went to school. I didn't go to school to become a director. You know what I mean? This is just because I've been a filmy fan forever now and a storyteller, someone who likes to tell stories. So the benefit of this versus my day job is I have absolute freedom in this job. Some people have warned me, and, and, and they have warned me rightly, guys. So this isn't like I'm, I'm throwing this back and people have said this face. You know, I talk about a lot of things on this podcast. That may, you know, hinder me from getting that film job somewhere because someone might listen and say, man, you said an awful lot of things about Kathleen Kennedy. It was just about the brunch, guys. But do you know what I mean? Like, that's because for me, I have to be like this in my second job. I don't have – this is my artist job. This is where – 
you know, the soul gets born for you. That being said, we started the podcast because we thought, well, we get asked all the time, what do you guys like as filmmakers? We're like, just listen. You know what I mean? Like, this is our day-to-day, the struggle we go through and the happiness we have in our job. Amen. Amen. So, you know, long, long version longer. We're always going to have an honest approach on this podcast. Regardless, we do not censor on the podcast. I have taken out an occasional rant that I listened to again and said, well, I'm not quite sure if I phrased that correctly or I might have been going off on somebody that didn't need to be going off on. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I don't listen to what I say, but in the same sense, guys, we want you to experience what we experience, kind of how we think about film. Um, and to that end, why don't we start with talking about the DCP? Because we said we talk about it on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So Some LVP news. That's right. And and promotion, as I said, Spencer would, would would appreciate this. So we have been selected the last the kind of the last hurrah of dandelions, I think, that will happen. As I said, it's it's not that it's out of my mind, but I put it to bed, you know, a couple months ago at least for me. You know, Spencer Hawken, who's a a guy who he's he's one of the heads of the Mercury Mall in Rumford, if you didn't know, but he also runs the Rumford film festival which happens in the fall if i remember correctly um Mm -hmm. and he's also now running a rumford horror film festival this will be i think the first actual screening of dandelions like where it's put it but for it of course i get an email two weeks ago and this is how it works for an indie producer two weeks ago not not three weeks ago not a month ago not two months ago i get an email like two weeks ago saying oh by the way we're going to be showing this live we're so happy you've been selected for this however i need a dcp by first of january now, why is that a problem for indie producer Jason and, 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 and indie producer Ed? Well, we don't really know how to do a DCP. So yeah, I've heard, I've heard of we've, DCPs. We've heard of them. We're like, mm, <laughs> yes, yeah, sounds wonderful. What is that? So, yeah. you know, and this is the it's problem. It's a cinema like, file. We, that's, that's about as yeah, much as I know. And Ed's been doing this like, what, 15 years? I've been doing it, what, mm. five now? Like, we're supposed to be intelligent people, so we're like, oh, shit. Like, so mm. what do you do? You Google. Like, that's just what mm. I started doing. And Ed did the same. We flicked a couple... And then here's the part we wanted to tell you about is the process of how we got the DCP done. So I sent out, I kept panicking about it because it's close to Christmas. And I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. want to pay more money for a rush job just because right, it's Christmas. Right, right. But God, my day job right now is very busy. Christmas time for me and insurance is, is a really busy time for me. So I haven't had a whole lot of time to do all this. So at like midnight, I'm trying to get around doing this. And finally, I got three post houses in London that said they could do this. Now... Mm. What Ed was pointing out to me was the response times. One post house, and we're not going to name names here, but one post house didn't come back to us at all, I don't think. Hmm. Sent out the submission form, and I don't think I've got an email back from them. The second post house came back immediately because I had already asked for a custom quote, and they had quoted at 150 pounds. The third post was not an automated response. It was a, a guy named, I can say his first name at least, Tiago. Mm-hmm. And Tiago comes back to me and says, dude, like totally can help you out. We charge X per minute. We charge this. Do you want it one, two, or three? Send me the file tonight. I can have it for you tomorrow. Well, I'm saying, guys, like that's it right there. From a producer on my standpoint, that's what I wanted to hear. So I didn't care what anybody else was saying. I said, Tiago, you're the man. What do you need? Yeah. Now, my next yeah. struggle was getting him the file. So Dandelions has been upscaled to 4K because you need that for the DCP. You either need to have a 2K or a 4K showing, and it has to be flat for, for the DCP. And you also should have surround. Now, they can do all of this for you, but it costs money to have the post-head do this. And I have Final Cut Pro. So... I created a, a 32 gigabyte file, you know, that, that was Yikes. the 4K version <laughs> yeah. with surround sound. Took, that took another day for me to figure out how to do that. But then yeah. we take that and then I have to get that to Tiago quickly because he's like, okay. So I'm thinking, all right, this shouldn't be too hard until you realize the file is 32 gigabytes. Well, 
Yesterday in my poor family had to deal because they didn't really know what was going on. They could just see me running upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs, because it took all day to finally get that onto the iCloud drive. Like that's how I use mm. it. So I have, yeah, yeah. we have a plan for low Victoria productions that is 200 gigabytes. I had to clear out some space for it and I put it in yeah. this folder we use for everybody. But man, that was the most agonizing process whole time just to tell you how great this post house is whole time tiago is emailing me saying sorry going to get christmas presents but i'll get this for you as soon as i can i mean they were the best what's mm. my point with all of this rent well a is just to tell you another story because i love telling you stories i'm like your grandpa i just love telling you stories um <laughs> but the other thing is that's how it works guys like that's why you get three quotes not one because the last guy that i went to was the definitely the one and his quote came in you know the first quote we had 150 I, he gave me the dcp today the link for it which will go over to you quickly spence and the invoice invoice 3850 for all that the first nice. guy told me it'd be yeah. 150 for the whole thing like Look at the money we saved just by shopping around and just by asking a few questions yeah. and all the support we got by explaining what our needs were to them. So please, I feel like can can we give them a shout out? Like uh, name the company. And Definitely. Stuff? Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. DCP Square. DCP Square. There you go, guys. Yeah. Like you have helped out an indie studio. We love you. Like no, seriously. Like made my Christmas because yeah. you know trying to deal with all this plus my day job plus everything else was just like. I have a very busy Christmas, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I, I started following them on uh, on on Twitter and stuff, and uh, their their Twitter like uh, info is post production lab supporting indie filmmakers with professional and affordable DCPs, IMFs, OTT, and TV formats. So yeah, they're very cool. Um, like I I I love it when you know people answer quickly and. It well, just it, says he was a super lot. helpful. He was like, oh, if you can't yeah. get up on iCloud Drive, because I'm not seeing it right now, here's another link you can use to our Dropbox yeah, account. Yeah. Like, he had a solution for it. everything, and he understood that, like, I wasn't dumb. I just had never done this before. So I was yeah, like, yeah, exactly, so which he was, is massive. He wasn't condescending in the slightest. You know, I just, that's what I love about film. Because if I compared it with my day job, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen in my day job. That's why I needed 10 years of training to kind of do what I do right. in my day job. It just never happens right. that easily or that quickly. This, like, yeah. you find the right person in the right connection who's willing to help and knows what you're all about you're done so if you are in the romford area um uh and uh you fancy watching some horror uh, definitely, you know, head on up there and, and yeah. Check it I out. mean, to, to guys like like Mal Jutley and all my my friends that live up that way that always go to those festivals, the Fright Fest guys, and otherwise living in that area, like it, it is going to be great. Spencer Spencer became famous to me not just because I sat next to him at at a Fright Fest. He's a really funny guy, but he also mm. made a no budget zombie film called Death yeah, Walks, cool. which is filmed mm. at the Mercury Mall, and it is properly no budget he will walk you through that if you ever wanted to hear how he did it mm. for free like he basically made mm. the film for free and mm. so he just is one of those really cool guys he's always supported our label which is another mm. important thing you've got to go back to the people that support you he has always backed lvp and said you know he believes in what we're doing so yeah please go check it out as i said it'll be the only time i think you're ever going to be able to see in the uk at least because we did have one screening in the u.s but the only time you're going to mm. see in the uk the actual dandelions as it came out remember shot on an iphone 10 which is now like my my iphone and um and a pixel 3 which that camera's broken so now it doesn't work anymore <laughs> i mean just craziness right so a little Absolutely. indie story for you for, for the special Christmas special. But let's move on to the next thing I wanted to talk about. Not because Ed's going to laugh at this when I say it. I I, um, I watched the first five minutes of The Mando last night, Ed. <laughs> yeah. 
And I, and I, yeah. like, I had it, I literally went outside for my cigarettes, right? And I had yeah. it on the screen and then came in and decided I didn't want to watch because I'd finished the, I'd finally finished the edit on, on the three yeah, and a yeah. half hour thing we did, the two and a half hour thing yeah, we yeah. did. I ended yeah. up watching, um, ooh, actually something we could do a podcast on Fantastic Planet. Oh, okay. I One of the most disturbed. It's an animated film from France. It's uh, mm. it's uh. Oh yes, I have seen that. Oh my, that's amazing. God, yeah. like it was, yeah. it was, and I'm just gonna briefly talk about it now because I really do think I'll do a full podcast on it. It was on Mubi, which is another. Mm. I have so many streaming services because I'm spoiled. You know what <laughs> I mean? But Mubi has that kind of stuff. The really weird. It's definitely made for filmies, like for for people mm. who are either in filmmaking or people who love cinema. Yeah. It was it's a curated uh, service. That's right, it? and that's why originally yeah, I used cool. to do the free trials. And just to tell you, maybe I did like five free trials from you before I actually signed up. But <laughs> they gave me like a fifty percent discount for the year, and I had the money in the kitty, so I was like, fine. If I pay for it, mm. that's the way to get it with streaming services. If you get me for the year, then I I'll be like, fine. Mm. I've got thirty bucks lying around. Fine, here yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ask me yeah. to pay monthly, I'm like, no, 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 mate. I, I'm not. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my Siggy money, you know, like, <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a sci-fi film that is so sci-fi. It made me uncomfortable. Like I love, yeah, yeah. and I love that in a good way. Like it literally was so yeah. weird, like Rick yeah. and Morty weird that I was like, yeah. oh my God. It, it reminds me of, uh, do you remember the animated film Heavy Metal? Yes. It's on, it's actually on my Christmas wish list. Oh mate. Like, uh, that was a weird, weird film when I was a kid, when I watched it. Uh, but boy, was I not ready for Fantastic Planet? Uh, because yeah, I, I just... think I, I yeah, I, I was I was looking at a top list of like French animations and stuff like that, um, and uh, and it was it was really high up there, and I, I'd never it, watched it. I, I mean, it, you know, 20s. it'd be it'd be up there at least top fifty films for me because because of what it deals with. Like, no, I've not mm. seen Rick and Morty. It's is proper the, out there. Is yeah, the closest yeah, yeah. thing I've seen that someone tried that. It's still mm. not as the, the 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 difference I found about this movie is is just how coherent mm. in such an incoherent world one where mm. you don't know anything right because you're on a, a mm. foreign planet and I mean the the premise is it just so you guys hear is like it, humans are on this planet they're pets they're animals mm. that are like hunted by these big blue things or kept as pets which sounds pretty normal but when you see it all it's like visually it's just so alarming you're like oh my god this is weird. Um, and, it, and it holds nothing back. Like they are treated properly mm. like animals. So if you've ever watched those types of films where human beings are treated as cattle, uh, Mel Light, mm. shout out to you because you do you do that to get people to be vegans. You know what I mean? Like mm. this will this will showcase that for you, and it, and it really good. Yeah. But it has a story. It has an arc. There's a, a point where mm. it changes. Like I kept worrying that this was just going to be some psychedelic romp that. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. two hours of that can ultimately really actually make me feel sick. Like, I'll be like, oh, I feel mm. physically ill right now from all of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, do you know what I mean? Like, it just, it was good. And then I followed it up with, I fell asleep to, because I was on movie night, because that's how I celebrate around here, is I, I watch some artsy films mm. that no one else will watch with me. I watched mm. Alexander Jodarsky's latest, like his last film, which he filmed about his life in Chile. It was really good. Like, mm. I fell asleep halfway through. That's not because it wasn't good. But it's just, mm. he's a magical realism guy, and it's in Spanish, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I was all over the place. I was just like, oh, it's so good. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I'm i I'm a massive fan of uh, Jodorowsky's Dune and stuff like that, so uh, he's very cool. Yeah. Very cool filmmaker. But uh, actually, I think that kind of segues quite well uh, into um, our discussion today for Lovecraft Country, um, because I think that, you know, where Forbidden Planet is successful in its weirdness fantastic planet. i think yeah f sorry fantastic planet um 
I think that uh, Lovecraft Country is also super successful with its like brand of, oh, of, man. of see, weird. See, now, now that that's that's actually really good because because you could say that with Jodorowsky too. Jodorowsky, if you don't know, is famous for like, did he do El Topo? Yeah, he's got his films are really weird, like really weird, mm. and I love them. But other people are like, I don't get them at all. I'm not sure you're meant to get them. Get them, like right, I've watched right, them and been like, I'm not sure what the message is, but it, it definitely mm. stunned me visually. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he feels like an artist. He's an artist, like, right? And so yeah. he uses what's called magical realism, and we've mm. talked about that in terms of Lovecraft Country. What Lovecraft mm. Country does that's amazing is the magical mm. realism. And, mm. and sci-fi, to an extent, is is a degree of magical realism in film. Mm. You have to understand, yeah. with sci-fi, what are you doing? Well, it's, it's, it's a line you walk, and Ed and I are big sci-fi fans, so you walk mm. this line down of how far from actual science can I mm. get before the, right. before the reader or the listener or the viewer loses me and says, yeah, that's yeah, ridiculous, yeah. that's fantasy, not science. Yeah, you have to yeah. walk that line. And sometimes it goes really well. I would say Interstellar mm. is a really good version of you know everybody's tanking on christopher nolan right now and i'm not really appreciating it. it's like tenet is the worst movie i had this tenet is not the worst movie you've ever seen so please i think i saw it in the independent where it was like what a crap film i'm like are you kidding me like mm. trust me in the long list of crap films that exist in this world tenet mm. is not one of them mate you know what i mean mm. like i don't know who wrote that review but i was furious because i was like that does a disservice to filmmakers. Like, mm. the film is well made. It's a bit messy and complicated and hard to follow. Fine. So it's not the best Christopher Nolan film you've ever seen. Yeah. Interstellar yeah. falls into that too because Interstellar yeah. has elements that are so science fiction, so good yeah, science yeah. fiction. Like yeah. we talked about before on this podcast, that Wave Planet just did it for me because mm. that's yeah. you. That's them trying to show you physically how something could happen on a different planet. And if you had yeah, gravitational yeah, yeah. pull from a moon like that, that's yeah. what what waves would do it would be awesome it would just be physically mm. awesome however the whole thing goes out the window at the end when he's like i hit the singularity and now it's a dream and it's love and it's like <laughs> it's love and that was just that's the science fiction gone far too right. far you're like no yeah. no 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 like yeah. you need to wrap up the story so you've just given up on the science and said well yeah yeah i mean you know um lovecraft country does some really interesting stuff um in terms of just staying grounded um it follows the story of atticus uh, and letty tick and letty um which who... is which is i just wanted to put because we didn't point it out in the last podcast and i'm not correcting you ed but it's uh. another thing to understand like they're trying to uh. show you culture and so, yeah, like, yeah. Southside Chicago culture, everyone has a nickname. No one's ever okay. called by their full name. Like, at least mm. that's my experience. And I, I'm not from mm. Southside Chicago. And I've only, mm. you know, and I, like I said, like we talked about the first time we talked about this, like, I'm not the all-knowing about African-American culture. However, it's part mm. of my life that I've tried to mm. research because I am, you know, part African-American. So, yeah, and yeah. the one thing that I, you know, that, that, that comes across really quickly is, you know, it's, it's that it's that framework that's different from white culture. So, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of how I talk sometimes. Like, I'm, I'm not a native Spanish speaker. I learned it in school, but I can speak it, you know, and, and you know, Ed will agree with this. I can speak it nearly as well as a native speaker. However, 
when it comes to like translating stuff, like I tend to be better at it than native speakers because I had to learn it from English. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So where native speakers would just use the same incorrect grammar or whatever, I'm that grammar Nazi that will sit there and say, no, 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 this is how you're supposed to write it. Same kind of thing when talking about cultures with me. Like, I wasn't raised in African-American culture. I was raised in a lily white suburb with, you know, predominantly white parents. So everything for me is like research. And what I would say is there is a sincere difference between the formality of, of white culture and some of the informality of, of African-American and, and, and what I would say non-white culture in America. Mm. Maybe it's better to mm. say it that way. And that comes from, as you see in the film, in the TV series, from the differences mm. in their experiences in America. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it follows, uh, yeah, Tick and Letty, who um, are from Chicago originally. Um and uh, they get involved in some pretty amazing uh, Lovecraftian stuff. Um, and, you know, in the very first episode, they kind of don't bury the lead, do they? They, they kind of show you um, a little bit of Tick's history and his dream that he has, where he's like in the middle of a war. We later find out it's the Korean War. And uh, then a lot of like crazy stuff happens including like Cthulhu showing up and Jackie Robinson like defeating him with a baseball bat uh which which was pretty spectacular and aliens as well like it, it just kind of like it doesn't bury the lead whilst at the same time giving you a very real grounded uh you know 1950s America right yeah so i i think in this situation, it's almost the reverse of how I would suggest that you did it. And then when we were talking about this before, again, we're summarizing now. When we talked about <laughs> it before in, in depth, it, it actually, it was interesting that this worked because it goes contrary to what you would think of story-wise. So what am I talking about? <laughs> story-wise, if you're talking about magical realism, which looks like it's going to be the theme of today's show, um, magical <laughs> realism, like I would always establish the realism really heavily first because... <laughs> You're going to pull people out of that, but you don't want them to feel like they're completely out of it. It doesn't, you don't mm. want to, when you move out of magical realism, you move into what's called surrealism and certain right, right. aspects of Fantastic Planet and obviously, yeah. you know, uh, anything that that's done by, by uh, um, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now because it's so long, Polish guy, uh, the, the, the oh, Chilean, Polanski. yeah, no, 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 oh, Jodorowsky with a Polish name, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah. You know, he deals more with magical realism. So what's the difference between, like, Fantastic Planet to this to Lovecraft Country? Well, mm. you know, it's the degree in which it goes away from something that we know to be reality. And so in mm. this case, what, you know, Misha Green has decided to do and Jordan Peele, who are the showrunners, um, and yep. very good on this. Misha Green mm -hmm. more than Jordan Peele. We, we kind of hampered on Jordan Peele because we can see elements of him in this. But, you know, right, right, it right. does need to be said that Misha Green is the one pushing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's, she wrote, she most wrote it, she drove she, it, and yeah. she just did an amazing yeah. job. Like, just an amazing Probably job. directed the best episode. Yes. Probably. So, but what she's doing is setting up a, a very magical point first and then the entirety mm. of the rest up of the first episode up until the last 10 minutes which we'll talk about you know is realism and it's mm. heavy realism so mm. i don't maybe it's because the subject matter ed is so mm. horrible so what we talked about yeah. before was ed had found 
it terrible, you know, to see for the first time, I guess, you know, to just how the, African Americans yeah. and and like I tried to explain to him then, it's like that's not just African Americans, by the way, like that, that's anybody mm. who's not white. You know what I mean? Like right, right. I get a bit uppity about that because I'm mixed. You know what I mean? And so mm. it's like, no, no, no. If you look at birth records for my family going back six generations in America, they all not six generations, whatever it would be, four generations mm. in America, they all mm. say black. Like, it's just mm. how you're defined in America if you're not white. Right. It's, it's, it's right, basically right, right. non-white. So yeah. they're trying to show you that experience, and it's, it's, it's heavy in the first episode. I mean, what, mm, what, what yeah. was probably, like, the hardest thing for you to swallow out of what you saw? Um, well, like, you know, after that kind of initial super, like, dream sequence, yes. um, the, just the heaviness of the racist cop in the county that they go to um in is it maine i think somewhere somewhere up there um massachusetts which we've massachusetts thing which we've seen before um but this one was like very very uh visceral um is how i would describe that's it. right so so i guess my point going back to the magical realism they're going to set up this big kind of flowery opening for you to keep you engaged and say it's going to get mm. you know they you don't know it yet but they're like we're going to show right, you right, some right. stuff that's not magical and stuff that's right, harsh right, right, right. we don't want you yeah, to think yeah. that's the focus this is the the flipping that exactly they're like yeah. we don't yeah, want yeah. you to think that's the focus of the show so i again right. credit to misha green i, I if mm. i'd seen it the way you did i would have done it this way because she's saying mm. here's the piece here's what i'm going to show yeah, you yeah over 10 mm. episodes however right. just so you don't lose sight of this because remember it bookends as well with the last 10 minutes like mm. just remember this and we'll come back to yeah, this yeah. later and then we go and, into here's yeah. the world we're living in yeah and um the one of my favorite moments in the whole season i've got to say is that conversation that he has with the lady um when they're having to walk into town because the bus broke down and he's talking about um, John Carter of Mars, I think. It's right after the intro, reading. yeah. So you've seen the intro, yeah, yeah, and yeah. now you're kind of meeting Tick for the first time. And mm. he's talking about talking with this woman. So yeah, continue on, please. Mm. And, uh, you know, for those of you who might not know, John Carter of Mars, uh, pulpy kind of science fiction stuff. But the main character is a Confederate soldier. And, um, you know, the, the lady kind of says to Tick, like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. And he just has this beautiful way of explaining how, you know, stories are like people. They're not perfect, but you love them anyway. Um, and I really, really appreciated that because and, and com com coming into Lovecraft... You know, because Jason has talked to me so much about it, and we're, we're working on a <laughs> on a script and stuff. I, I do love Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very um, much. Which which makes me super happy that that you know, again, we talked about this last time, but it feels like this has been made for he, you. He just gives me so many, you know, Lovecraft. And you know, I'm a writer, right? And I love writing. Like, it's not something I do because I get paid to do it. I do it because I love doing it. And like, it's your creative outlet. Exactly. Like, you know, my my wife said it two days ago i think and I, I like i gave her the biggest kiss in the mouth because she understands why it's difficult you know when you're doing two jobs and one of them doesn't pay anything right because mm. i'm in a i know in a partnership with someone who works very hard as well 
And it's like, you're taking time away from your kids. You're taking time away mm. from this. But my wife gets it. And, and she hasn't really gotten it with all my other hobbies. Because I was an athlete for a while. And I did this and I've done that. A fighter, a computer game programmer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I am a person that delves into things. Because my mind has this need. And my wife just said, she was like, listen, your insurance job is your job for the money. And she's like, and you do that well. And you do enjoy it enough to always you know stay at it. But she's like... But your film job, that's the job for your mind. She's like, you, it yeah. does so good for you to be able to spend time mm. doing this because you just calm her afterwards. So she, that's why mm. she backs it because she knows it gives me that kind of extra bit of whatever. And so Lovecraft, I will read like a Lovecraft story a night and everything mm. he writes, it's like, oh man, I could take that paragraph and write something about that. Like mm. he just is so good at showcasing what makes us afraid of things. Yeah, yeah. But but I think that one of the cool things about, um, you know, that moment in the first episode was the reconciling the fact that Lovecraft is famously, was famously very, very racist. Yes, so pulling, pulling with us... loving his art. I feel like, right? I feel like we're tugging the rope writing. back to the discussion now, because, yeah, because tugging the yeah. rope back to the discussion, like... And all I was going to say when you were bringing that up, Ed, is I, I, when we first talked about it, I didn't feel it was so deliberate. And now I'm like, mm. you know, Misha Green has definitely thought all of this out, whether it was in her mm. writing room with a group mm. of people. So all of you that were involved in this, but they thought about this because they knew and because it was the one of the first things I raised as an issue was mm. like, wait, mm. like, can we mm. make a Lovecraft show mm. using predominantly mm. black people? Just so you understand, I mean, Lovecraft described black people, you know, like, like, like my family and whatnot, like as apes. You know, the, mm. he had a particularly thing about bulbous lips and eyes, and mm. it's horrible. Mm. It's really horrible. Mm. That being said, as a person who comes, you know, from a minority background, it's like, can you reconcile that? And they address it just as he said, you know, in, in the best possible way, saying like, listen, yeah. it's a story. Like, yeah. I can't, you know, it, that's the truth, though. If, if you're going to hold people accountable that way and not read their material and not go into art because of that, you're going to mm. have to suffer artistically for that. Those of us that are like right. filmmakers and artists, like, yeah, it's, it's the same issue. Like we've brought up before with Woody Allen or Polanski. Polanski. Like, no, Polanski, I do. I think yeah. it's cool to be with underage kids. Absolutely mm. not. I got a daughter of my own, but does that mean I'm not going to watch films from Polanski or an Allen film? Like, no, like I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. They, they're some of the best. And, and, you know, and we've, we've been talking about this for a while, but I thought that the way they kind of settled it in the very first episode was That's just what I mean. Like you don't, brilliant. it was something you didn't want the Twitter boards to start going mental yeah. about because yeah. it would have yeah, just yeah. ruined it. You know, it would have been yeah. cancel culture. And it's like, yeah. that is... They definitely thought that out and said, we're going to we're gonna stop this at the door and we can just, you know, we can cut and paste this onto every tweet troll that comes through. That's the idea. Right. You know, make sure you, you dealt with the meaning. So, but then we have, you know, this whole stretch of realism where they're showing you black mm. America, or at least what it was like for black America traveling across, across the country. So they start in Chicago, mm. they go through the Midwest and up to the, you know, New England, which is Massachusetts to get to Lovecraft Country. Along the yeah, way, they have like a substitute green book, don't they? As it, well, yeah, it's or... not that. That's the thing. Like, I think that is a dig on the green book because the green yeah. book was a movie made a couple years back. I think it was nominated for an Oscar as well. It was yeah. lots of controversy because it's a whitewashed book. Like, sorry guys, mm. but the green book was the book that you know black Americans used not up until like twenty years ago. To be honest with mm. you, to travel because it mm. was dangerous. Like. 
you know, you'll see this if you watch Lovecraft Country, but America is not yeah. a very safe place. Even today, that's the whole Black Lives Matter movement, you know. It's not Right, and that's that's the interesting thing, isn't it? That it is a period piece and yet it's so relevant to what's going it, on. It's part of the frustration right with now, Black Lives yeah. Matter when you hear like, you know, all lives matter or blue lives matter. Like I no. you know, nobody's saying not saying that. I got family who are cops. Like I'm not mm. saying that. Okay. Mm. What we are mm. saying is why is this cyclical? Like, it shouldn't be mm, cyclical. Yeah. We understand that black people, people of minorities, Ed and I, are human beings, just like everyone mm. else. We we get up in the morning. We go to the bathroom the same as everybody else. We have the same mm. problems at once. You know, I've even been guilty of this. Part of the reason I had to delve into my mixed culture is because I had this perception that black people thought about things differently. I had this mm. perception that Mexicans, you know, were a certain way. I had right. this perception that Ecuadorians would be a certain way about things. It's ridiculous mm. because mm. all of this stuff, you know, was was brought in. You know, something I did in the in the original podcast, which which I'm not going to do again because it took up a lot of time. But I read out. You know what happened in Tulsa, which features into this into this mm. show to everyone, yeah. because I was never taught that in history. Yeah, and just yeah, so yeah. I can just repeat what happens on a on a, a day in you know on a day in the twenties in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the richest black community in America was bombed. Black Wall Street it was called. Black right? Wall Street was bombed. They literally sent in sheriffs. They sent in people with guns. They, they sent in people, airplanes yeah. with bombs, and they killed everyone. And it's not talked about in any history book I ever read in America. And it's like, how dare we ignore that, you know, or we, we <laughs> yeah. pretend like it didn't happen. That is an atrocity that everyone, you know, we had the World Trade Center bombing. We had the Oklahoma City bombing. Everybody knows about yeah. that. Why the yeah. hell would you not talk about that? Right. So anyways, right. Right. sorry. So that is all what you're being <laughs> set up for in the first episode, at least the first uh. 40 minutes, you know, after the right, magical the realism. first part. 90%, because then it gets nuts. That's right. And I completely agree with you. It's not just, again, going back to the specific things that make this work. The realism works because of the way it's shot, though, as well. Mm. So we're not just seeing shitty America is, is tough on black people. Like, no. Mm. The scene that Ed is talking about, listen, they, they're literally trying to get out of the area like they're like mm. trying to figure out yeah. where they're supposed to be and they're lost mm. a cop rolls up a cop they know because they've mm. done some research on the area is a hard ass and is, is that mm. and he talks to them about sundown counties which yeah. was the yeah. first time ed had heard about it. if you don't know what a sundown yeah. county is up until and some of this is like 20 30 years ago these finally got 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 mm. rid of this but there used to be laws in certain counties that black people had to be out of the county you know before mm. sundown otherwise they, they were likely to be hanged you know what i mean like right. As if, right? So mm. this is horrible because they catch this cop and, and Tick is always the one who's, you know, he's the black male. So mm, you know, he is yeah. playing that part of the pushback while everybody else is trying mm. to say, get in the car, let's get out of here, let's get mm. moving. And then there's like, it's it's not a chase, but it's like a chase. Yeah, no, it's And so, so they good. are driving out of the county. Oh. They literally, the dad, who is the one who's used to all this crap, is sitting mm. there. The uncle is sitting there saying like, we have two uncle minutes, George, we have two yeah. minutes, we have two minutes, we have yeah. two minutes. And they, they cannot speed. Because yeah, that's why it's like a chase. That's, that's the because amazing Because then the lights thing, will go right? on and then they'll be hung yeah. for doing that. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. they are literally trying to get out of this county. Now, the best part about this is the dread that they're able to establish is not only the music, the mm. slow camera roll behind mm. the two cars. Mm. So you have an overhead, mm. like bird's eye, not bird's eye, overhead third person view of both cars. The cops mm. bumping the bumper of the other one to try yeah. to get them to screw up. And then they go into the car. So it's in the car, out the car, in the, and you're just mm. freaking out. You're like, oh my God. It is. Then it's they get across so well. the county line at like the, the brink of the second, exactly. Yeah, and your yeah. hands go up. You're yeah. like, oh my God. That's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Because they, the made, release. they made you yeah. feel it. They were like, that's what we yeah. used to go yeah. through, y'all. And then the minute yeah. they get over the county line, they run into five other and cops. They, 
pull the rug right from under you. That victory doesn't last very long at all. And they get led off, you know, off the road and, you know, get on your knees. And it feels very much like, whoa, this is episode one and, like, what is going on? So, and they, they take you in that episode. They take you to the brink of how are we ever going to get to this Cthulhu mm. alien shedding, right. like, Looks like Tick's going to be dead where he stands. Is right, this going to be a resurrection right. the story? Rea- yeah, the reality is almost like snuffing out the, the, exactly. the fantasy and stuff like that. Overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get it just, it's it's like cooking a fine dish. You've now got mm. your simmer just as you like it. The smells yeah. are coming out. It's delicious. I'm mm. cooking now, by the way, everybody. The smells mm. are coming out. It's delicious. And just when you thought knew it was going on, what happens, Ed? Ooh. Um... Oh my god, Shogoths show up, which I I had never heard that that word before, but I immediately recognized the multi-eyed monster kind of uh, very Lovecraftian uh, vibe to to these really, also something that we didn't mention last time, um, very good CGI, like money well spent. Yeah, I mean it's HBO, right? So we've seen them, Mm. you know, His Dark Materials on for its third season now, we will probably talk about season two in the new year. Yeah, absolutely. Got to catch up with that. But um, yeah, they are they are quality with that. They know the right mm. VFX studios. It makes a difference, though. Had this and had shitty animals, so, yeah, yeah, so gory as well. Like, like, like brilliantly so. I, I, I enjoy a bit of gore, uh, and this did not disappoint. Well, and see, this all. is what I mean. Like, why this works so well for me is is the way in which it put you in the protagonist. You know, all your shots in a film, right, are all supposed to be either what is it, what the protagonist sees. What the protagonist does, or or what the protagonist is thinking, like you're always supposed to be telling it from the perspective of the person that's leading your story. Mm. Not everybody does that, and that's fine. Like mm. I'm not saying mm. like I've seen plenty of films where we go around that a little bit and we start talking about some side things, and you know Quentin Tarantino, yeah. Jesus, like just threw that all yeah, out the, the window. Ensemble, you know, he just said, forget style. it. I don't want to talk about the protagonist. I want to talk about other things. So, but in mm. this case, because it works so well, you are put mm. into the shoes of Tick, Letty, and George, like mm. hook, line, and sinker. And so when that violence erupts from the Shogos, mm. you're scared mm. out of your mind, but equally, it just killed half the cops. So you're mm. also like good on you, Shogos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, there's later, you know, and, later in what is it, episode like nine, a Shogos comes and mm. kills the whole thing, and I yeah. felt terrible that I was like, God damn, those cops are dead. That's awesome. You know, and I felt <laughs> bad. I was like, No, I don't hate cops. I don't hate cops. Yeah, I hated those no, cops. No, I mean, again, it's okay to hate these cops though because they're racist. You know, they're massively racist, and and you you're you're so happy when they get their comeuppance, but it does kind of lead you to the amazing fantasy and, and magic of the show when they're saved by the Shogoths and you hear a whistle and they end up at the house. Uh, yes, in which, is, which, which is going to be like the famous house. And, and this is a Lovecraftian thing. He's created these places and this is another manor old scary dark like he's always created and they're going to be there for whatever we're going to find out in in episode two so where episode one then is probably the focus on the realism so you get a very strong backing of what world they're trying to put you in for this and say this is the world we want you to experience what's going on through it I would say episode two then moves on to talking about the magical aspects and says now you understand the realism and, and it's it's really because we always thought this was a two-parter and, and as I said having a second discussion about this has helped so much understand like this is the the two-parter set up for the entire series so they're saying yeah. 
watch these two. You could watch the first two episodes, and you will understand everything else that happens later. Right. And it, you right. don't have to it go sets back. Sets you up for the rest of. The exactly. Season. You don't have to go back and say how did they do that or why is that possible mm. because that doesn't make sense. By the yeah. end of that second episode, you know, which we'll talk about right now, like it, it just gets you to the point of you understand the the, the magical world they live in as well, mm. with a few mm. surprises mixed in. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Um, and yeah, this episode opened, the second episode opens with that amazing scene, uh, that, you know, you, that's right. So, so we had, we had a very long discussion about the Jeffersons, which I will con, you know, <laughs> condense because, you know, all I did when we were talking about the Jeffersons, I was trying to explain that that is the mixed or black experience in America. Like in white people mm. don't understand that, like for mm. a white person. And, and again, this is not me trying to be racist. It's just trying to point out a difference culturally, like for mm. a white person, you go to school you know, if you're a middle-class white person, at least you go to school, mm. you get decent grades, then you're going to get a job and you're going to go to university. You're going to get a job. Mm. You might get that white collar job you've been hoping for or, or a blue collar job that at least pays the bills, but your life is pretty much on a track, a progression, mm. uh, you know, a, a, a way to go. The difference I would say for, for black and mixed culture or non-white culture in America is that timeline is infinitely longer. And the problem is on the TV, all you ever hear about is the white person's timeline. Mm -hmm. And so you expect that when you go to that job interview and you have all the relevant qualifications and you are the best talker in the room that you're going to get the job, the experience mm. is very different from that. And that's not mm. you know, saying anything about a specific person. It's just how it goes. You have to work yeah, harder. Yeah. You know, and, and, and women have told me this is how it is for them as well. Yeah. Like You have to work harder to get the things that come so easily. It's what we talk about with white privilege. And so mm -hmm. I just think when they do the Jeffersons, the Jeffersons is an anti-white privilege song because it talks mm -hmm. about how celebratory and uh, you mm -hmm. are when this happens. And the reason I was telling Ed this in a long fashion, longer than this at least, is because that's what happened in my family. So, mm -hmm. you know, and there's been various people, not just my grandfather, but various people in, in, in the Chereau family that were successful despite their skin color. Even my, you know, my uh, ancestor, who I always hail, Bel de Mero, he was a cigar roller in Cuba. He was, that meant he was one of the only people in Cuba that could read. And so he used to mm. roll people's cigars and get paid to do so to read them in the paper. And again, mm. it was something that no one else could do. When mm. my grandfather succeeded as a successful engineer and made money for the family, that was a huge deal. Like what I explained to Ed is he had been driving two states over with my, my father living somewhere else as a child, you know, just mm. so that could happen. So when they finally made money and got that big home in Chicago, because that's where they end up moving mm. to suburb of Chicago, that mm. is a big effing deal. And you just feel like finally, finally we get to live like white people live. We have money mm -hmm. like white people do. And I was raised very much that way. So I was post Jefferson's. I was, we've already mm. made it all up. And I right, can right. tell you that, that it is it is that way. So my <coughs> trajectory, yeah. my progression into becoming a lawyer in insurance was much easier than it would have been for my ancestors because mm. I played, you know, I, I played the white card as much as I could. Mm. You know, most people mm. didn't know I was mixed race. And so you move up with that. I would say, you know, the, the tail end of that conversation for me and Ed and just summing it up because I thought it was a good conversation is the problem you have now and what this will explore in another episode is what is it like then to pretend to be white for the rest of the world? Mm. And there's a whole mm. other episode that dealt with that, which I will talk about when we mm. get to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to mention as well, from a filmmaking point of view, I thought it was very interesting that they did not stick with like period uh, music. Obviously, the Cinnaman at the end of every uh, episode. That's right. One of the greatest. Um, you know who sings that, right? 
Um, I know that it's a jazz singer. Nina um, Nina Simone, my friend, and I will mm. I will get you a Nina Simone album if you have not heard Nina no, Simone. No. Yeah, sorry, that version is not a Nina Simone. Um, it's Alice Smith. Really? Uh, yeah, American singer and songwriter. <gasps> um, yeah, she's like forty three. That's amazing. I thought that was Nina Simone does a version of that. There's actually an older version of that used yeah. in the Umbrella Academy, which is sung by a man. It's a spiritual. The isn't oldest it? one is sung in the Umbrella Academy, and I only say it was Nina Simone because I yelled at my Spotify that said, "Oh, Nina Simone sings this." I'm like, "No, she's not. That, that that's not her version." So I thought I was hearing her version. Now I'm gonna have to go out and right, listen right, to her right. version of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was interesting for them to use like they even used hip hop at certain points and. Um, well, was... and, and the name of the episode, though, is what's the name of episode two? You loved this because you talked about the, the other thing that they use over and over throughout the series, which is the um, I know mean, you know, I hate when I ask these questions. It was called Whitey on the Moon. Sorry, Ed. I, I'm always Whitey like, on the Moon. I'm always, I'm always right. quizzing yeah, you and I'm like, I just know the answer anyway. But you love the fact that you love that yeah. Whitey on the Moon speech that was yeah. in there. Right. Yeah. And tell me yeah. more about that. In... I'm yeah. talking up a storm here, mate. Tell me what was it about hearing Whitey on the Moon that really moved you? Um, and this is again something that they do kind of throughout the 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 season in sundown in the first episode uh, there's a speech by a, from a debate uh, between um, an african-american professor and uh, and a white conservative and yeah they're just so impactful because obviously they're juxtaposing the images of the show right you're still watching a scene from the show as this speech is going on or this poem is going on whitey on the moon is a poem about, um, you know, how African-Americans um, are struggling to pay rent and, and put food on the table, whilst at the same time, white people are being put on the moon and, you know, money is being spent on that. Now, what's interest, what's massively interesting to me is the point of view, particularly because, uh, like, most people will look at the moon landing and say, what an amazing achievement for humanity. But... Not necessarily, right? Like in no, no, nineteen sixty-three, no. I mean, when it happened, like what you know, what did poor single parents care? Well, and, and, uh, and about that kind of we've thing. got things here, and I've got it right up here. So you know, a rat done bit my sister Neil with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms begin to swell, and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bill, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. The man just upped my rent last night because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. And I mean, that's just mm-hmm. a part of it. And it's, 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 uh, sorry, I just, I love, I love the Brilliant. phrasing of it, right? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. exactly what you're saying. And, and it comes as, you know, what scene is that playing through? That's the only thing I'm trying to remember. That's what I can never remember. So the, um, the original conversation between the, the black man and the white conservative is when they're at the restaurant in the first episode. So they're sitting yes. they're sitting at a diner, which is basically going to kick them out in five seconds um, yeah. in, in some very vicious ways. Um, mm-hmm. And they're taught, you know, that's being played in the background about how the experience is different. It's because, and it's trying to show you, look how a black person can't even sit in a freaking diner in a, in a no-name town in America, which is like everybody's right in America. That's what we do. That's how we get food. You know what I mean? That's You have your, your pubs. That's our, you know, diner. Um, but yeah, Whitey on the Moon, it's just, oh man, like you said, it just points out all those different things. And um, yeah. God, I wish I could remember the scene it comes from though, because again, what it will be trying to showcase, everything that's done like this is 
put in the right place. That's the other thing that Misha Green and her, you know, her co-producers were really careful about. And again, you had some good ones. So you had Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams are on this one, a couple other big names. Like, they definitely were very methodical about this. And maybe it's because he had to be. Uh, you know, this was one that they could have really screwed up because of the Lovecraft curse, which we talked about in the first podcast is just the fact that no one can ever really do a great Lovecraft story because he's very difficult to write from um, into a visual style. But, yeah, mm. I mean, Whitey on the Moon, you know, if, if we're epitomizing that episode, why is that, uh, why in your view does that kind of say what, what needs to be said about episode two? Because by the end of episode two, there's a major shift. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And we're, we're moving on to things. And so, yeah. like, like, how do you think that relates into that major shift? Um... So you have, because you have the death of George, the, the, the death and mm. resurrection of Letty, and this whole kind yeah. of history laid out at the end... I mean, I, yeah. you know, my view would be that that goes into more of what they're talking about with this, saying, like, mm. the idea being in that episode, guys, the, the, the premise is they're going to have to kill Tick, you know, or mm. basically, yeah, basically kill Tick so that the, the, and I can't remember the name of the ancient family, but so the ancestry in this family the can... Braith, the Braithwaites. The yeah. Braithwaites can have, you know, immortality, as it were. And, and that's where it's coming. So it's, again, Whitey on the Moon, we're saying... You know, so these white people can live in perpetuity, that black man has to die. And the way they build that out into the entire cast slash world is just a stroke of genius to me, honestly. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, that, to me, is maybe one of the most powerful things. Because, again, they use, um, you know, contemporary speeches. They also use a speech uh, later from a girl who had survived a school shooting. Oh, okay. And yeah, and she's and this was like 2018, 2019 something like that. Mm. Um and uh, she's talking about violence against women. And I, I, again, like this 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 show through these things and through its exploration of its different characters does so much to talk about the experience of African Americans, of African American women, of just women in general of gay people african-american gay people in you know the right, earlier part right. of the 20th century like like it it encompasses so many it touches on so many really interesting points of view and things that i think we need to be discussing you know but it, it the amazing thing right is it does this the reason we were so impressed is it does this in the context, again, going back to the magical realism. So in other words, yeah. this core story never changes. Like, it's still a story. Yeah. It, you know, Becky and I were talking about it last night is whether it'll be a limited series or not, whether they will do a season two or not. Because I was like, I'd kind of be happy if they just did a season one with it because I like the book ending of that. I like it being done. And here, there's this definite story that will take you from episode one to episode ten without problem. However, there are a million... Every story has layers to it, right? One of my favorite mm. stories of all time is Dante... You know, Dante Alighieri's The Inferno, you know, part of mm. La Comedia Divina. I love it because it's mm. layered, because it's an mm. allegory. It has lots of different parts to it. And so you can read that book over and over and over and over again and start picking out new layers. Right. What they've done, in my view, Ed, is mm. they've made it so it's not so on the nose. Now, mm. if they were to go out and say, isn't it crap that black mm. people have less and white people have more in the 50s? Like, first of all, it's obvious to everyone. And so for some right. reason, as a reaction, we're like, well, duh. You know what I mean? Mm. But by putting it in a context of a story and not hitting it on the nose. So again, this is for you mm. indie filmmakers. This is how you put your themes in without hitting it yeah. on the nose. 
then you, yeah. you, you, you pull it back a bit. If I could give you an opposite example that I had a problem with, and many of you who mm. listen to the podcast will have watched this because you're Fright Festers, there was a film called Slacks that came out. And it was mm. funny, all right? It was it was about murdering jeans, right? Mm. Hell yeah. You awful, awful murdering jeans. But the, the problem I had with it, it was too on the nose. So you have these murdering jeans, which is funny enough. Great. We're all going to have a laugh while these jeans, like, and they, they do murder. Like, they constrict people. They do all these. I mean, the deaths were, were fairly cool. But the reason mm. this all happens is because of... You know, one of the genes, and sorry, if you haven't seen this, pause now and go on for two minutes or, or five minutes because it's me. So, but it all happens because an Indian girl in the textile factory was going, you know, was killed while making these jeans. And I say yeah. it like this because every freaking person in that movie was wearing Wrangler jeans. You know, it's like mm -hmm. it just was too on the nose. I was like, you can't. Right. You can't do that. It doesn't make sense mm. that you're going to blame mm. this all on corporate crap while you're selling a movie. You know, like, mm. it just was so counterintuitive to me. Mm. There are probably mm. elements of hypocrisy in what they're arguing in Lovecraft Country. Surely yeah. there will be. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can't get around that. But I never felt offended by the note they were taking. Whereas in Slacks, I was like... You know, like, I get it. I get you had a message mm. to say, but you really put it in a crap way to me because right, you're right, trying right. to make me feel sorry for, you know, the fact that, you know, there are sweatshops in India that are making our clothing well. Every single one of your actors is wearing sweatshop clothing. Everybody mm. watching this film will be buying sweatshop clothing. Like, doesn't right. really make an impetus for change to me. And I got even more yeah. offended and my friends were like, it was such a brilliant message. I'm like, what are you wearing right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, It's not very self-aware. I think, I think Lovecraft Country is very self-aware. And, and I think I'd put it down to the people who, who, who run the show. You know, Misha Green... Jay, um, Jordan Peele and, and, and the rest. Well, that's right. And, and I would say the biggest self-awareness moment, which we're, we're going to move on to episode three and continue through because we do want to yeah. talk about all ten episodes. But we were yeah. moving on. Is at the end when I, you know, I went on and on on the two and a half hour version of this. I went on and on about, is it Christine or Christina? I always get the two wrong. Christina Braithwaite. Christina Christina. Braithwaite. So Christina yeah. has this scene you know, where she tie basically she gets the cops to tie her up and barbed wire and kick her in a ribbon. It was funny because oh, I was like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't quite sure what she was doing. And I explained it to him and he was like, mm. oh, so we'll talk about that. Because to me, mm. that was the moment of honesty where they were trying to address mm. the other half of it and saying, however, we know there are tons of white people working on this. And this is a right, position right. that certain white people may take that I do. Mm. We don't feel that the African-American community or the black community fully understands you know what i mean interesting so it provided yeah. a different perspective on it that i just thought was really cool but moving on to episode three because after episode two we are now fully into the world we understand what's going yeah. on and some more We've things established all the players like uh, we know that tick is related to this uh, lodge um that ends up burnt down uh, we've established magic and spells. They try to, um, the patriarch of this uh, lodge, Christina's father, um, tries to gain immortality, cast a spell to gain immortality by using Tick. Christina's the one who kind of like flips it on her father and ends up killing the whole lodge and burning down the house uh, because she gives him a ring of protection. So everything's established. But from here on out, I think it, this is honestly where it gets more interesting where the show gets more interesting. yeah so from this by. point onwards so the next eight episodes each episode you should treat as you know how blumhouse is doing this on amazon prime so blumhouse has these features right these shorts mm. that they're doing they're not short films they're just like mini features 
on mm. each a different like horror story. You know, there was mm. the one about the evil eye, which was the one yeah. dealing with Turkish stuff. To be yeah, fair, yeah. no offense to Blumhouse, because usually your stuff is dynamite, man. Like some yeah. of them weren't very good, some of them were all right, mm. but none of them were amazing to me. This yeah, it does take on this like portmanteau, like that's it. Yeah, yeah. and I love yeah. portmanteaus. I, you know, I, I yeah. spent an entire evening. We were I was watching Christmas Horror Story with my wife. Um, which is a great portmanteau if you haven't seen it. It has one bad story and the rest are really good. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's available on Netflix at the moment. So, nice. but I was telling her how much I love a portmanteau when it's done properly. And the problem yeah. is you never know because you're dealing with usually a bunch of different directors are going to put in their stuff right. and put it together. You know, our Lovecraft thing is part of a portmanteau and we have to, right. you know, do the best we can amongst others that, you know, are going to do the best they can, but you never know the quality. You know, I've right. had other filmmakers. That mixed I've, bag. Mixed yeah, bag. I've had other filmmakers I've produced for. We've They've been offered a portmanteau. We were looking at it and we turned it down because that particular filmmaker was a certain point in the career and they were like, listen, like... I don't really want to have to deal with, you know, bad quality because it just, it will ruin my film being next to someone who's not as good. So, you know, I get that. I get that. But this Mm. is, I would say the good news is you're going to have eight quality portmanteau episodes that are actually Mm. all connected by an overarching arc. Like there's, there's very well, very skillfully. So the stories will still be in the realism that we know from the first two episodes and they'll still continue on that story, but everyone's going to have like a different feel to it. And the third episode, which was one of Eddie's favorites actually was the ghost story. Yes. Holy ghost. So in it, Letty, um, has now, uh, received some mysterious money, uh, which she uh, invests into a house on the north side of Chicago. Is that right? That's right. So, ju- like, so for those of you who don't know how Chicago works, okay, like, and I'll be very quick about this. And and Lila Kador is my 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 lovely best Greek friend who lives out here with me. Um, she mm. could give you better detail than I could. But Chicago is divided. The city of Chicago is divided pretty much into two places, mainly because of where the ghetto is. The ghetto is mm. all of South South Side Chicago. So where you thought the ghetto was somewhere you couldn't possibly have gone, well, at least in the 1950s, mm. that's what it looked like. It does look mm. quite a bit grimmer now, but still, mm. it's it's a good reminder to people who think ghetto and think like non-human people. Like, no, nah, they're humans right, right, that right. live down there. Yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, it, it's yeah, not a great yeah. way to live, but... You know, people getting on with their day. But that's the entire South Side. And those are the people that mm. migrated from the South of, the, you know, the South of, of America up there during... Is that where your family ended up? I... No. No, mine ends up in New York because that's another place. So oh, New York, okay. Detroit, um, New York, Chicago, Pittsburgh would probably be another one. Cincinnati mm. was one of those right, that people right. came into. Atlanta is probably the only city in the South. And that happens later, really, that you mm. have a, a black mm. contingent that stays there. But Reconstruction in America made it so no black people wanted to stay in the South. You're either going to get arrested mm. and thrown into jail, where the incarceration mm. rate went up 20-fold because you could still keep slaves if you were incarcerated, or you weren't ever going to be able to do any business. Like, it just... Mm. It, that's another movie that needs to be made. You know what I mean? Yeah. About all of that. But so you have yeah. south of Chicago. North of Chicago is not really... That's where Lila lived, but it's not mm. really a ton of people living there. It's a city, mm. right? So mm. the, a lot of the financial district would be there. The lake is on that mm. side. So Lakeshore, mm. Lakeshore Drive and all that. Then mm. you have the Chicago suburbs, which spread out infinitely from, from mm. Chicago. My dad used to live... My dad moved from there not too many years ago, but he used to live in a place called Itasca, which is a suburb that's mm. probably about, you take the Chicago trains and you're 20 minutes, you're in Itasca. So mm. in episode three, she's going from the ghetto in the south and she's moving out to these beautiful woodlands in the north. Mm. It's the same place. Like Victorian, how, man, you know, she. it's a, it's a big house because she and, turns it into and, like a, a renting uh, spot for, the, for like 
poorer black people. And and what you were pointing out, and, and just to update what Ed was saying, what I pointed out in the last podcast is my grandfather, after he makes his money, he, he gets a couple patents. He's a plastics engineer, very smart. And he makes a couple patents for, for his company. It makes him a lot of money. And so he ends up moving. Like his version of moving on up was to go into Fox Lake, which was a Chicago suburb. And that's where they lived for mm. 15 years until he moved to another suburb of Maryland where he retired. Like he was, mm. that's where he, he, he basically moves to a farm town in the middle of nowhere because when he grew up mm. in Queens, that's what Queens was, was a farm, farm town. Gotcha. And so gotcha. that's, that's, you know, that's where Ed was bringing it up and saying, didn't you, didn't you, mm. didn't, was not part of the, the, the Shiro experience? And it was like, mm. we were just mm. like Letty in that, you know, I think it's probably 10 years, 20 years after what Letty's doing, but it still was right. new to have yeah. black people yeah. in the suburbs then. And of course, there is a big reaction uh, from um, the, the, the white people who live in the neighborhood. They're, they like put lawn signs up and and again doing a little bit of, of reading after I watched this episode. It was all based on shit that happened. Yeah, so you, it, know? you just addressed what my only problem was with some of this stuff. Like that, and it's not a problem with the writers or the producers. It's a problem with people who watch this. Like, listen, white folk, mm. and, and and I'm talking to myself. You remember, I'm white folk too. But listen, white folk, mm. like this isn't this. None of this is is false reality. None of this is mm. being bigged up. Just so you'll right. feel sorry for those communities. No, everybody that lived in those communities from those communities can tell you stories of how this happened. Yeah. So they're not yeah. lying A about how bad it was. The majority of people treated these people awfully, like just terribly. Terribly. And, uh, and um, obviously, again, that's the realism. And then the magical element comes in the fact that you slowly find out that this house is haunted. Yes. And there's some really great ghost it, stuff it going was very, on, right? Yeah, I was going back. I almost wanted to watch The Frighteners again because that's one of my favorite, like, old mm. ghost stories. Like, mm. some really good elements of that, you know what I mean? And of, of just, you know, lingering spirits, but classic stuff. Like, yeah. what I find with ghost stories now is they're always trying to modernize it too much. We've got too many computers. Even The Conjuring, which was a great mm. kind of malevolent demon story. Like, they always put it... The Ghostbusters bit into it now, and it's like, mm. listen, man, like I want a classic ghost story where they're just wandering about. You know what I mean? Mm. If you would have taken all the, the the talking out of the innkeepers, I would have loved it for that because it's a classic mm. ghost at the end that you meet mm. and like scares the crap out of you. You know what I mean? Mm. So you have to sit through yeah. an hour and a half of talking before you get there. <laughs> uh, so you've got the you've got the realism, you've got the fantastical, the magical stuff, and then I think they also do such a great job, which is very true about this portmanteau style of still weaving the larger story into it because it turns out that Christina, who survived uh, the previous um, crumbling of the lodge, is the one who gave Letty the money. Um, and she wants her to find an object that belonged to one of the previous owners. Uh, was it Hiram Epstein? That's right. Who is it also yeah. a lodge member? Yeah, who was also a lodge member and involved in magic and stuff like that. And they're looking for an orrery. I finally learned the word, uh, which is a uh, kind of... Uh, solar a, system a, a, a solar, Yeah, exactly. Um, and do we see in this one or is it later? It I, later I don't know. These are, this is, we talked about last time. This is another show I would... I, I'm so happy I bought this and didn't like rent mm. it or watch it on a stream or something like that. Because mm. I am going to have to go back and watch all of these this things. is definitely like, a rewatch there's so yeah. many layers to this that like you could watch it 10 times watchmen's the same mm. way we're going to talk about watchmen in the new year um yes but i need to, I, I need to i'm watch very that. big on hbo series that that are multiple mm. watches because it's like having a really long movie um mm. and if it's done properly then it doesn't feel like a really long movie mm. 
and there's a wicked like poltergeisty kind of scene with um you know the equivalent kind of african-american shaman that's right traditional kind of thing so and this uh, is why i it's, really love it's, it's a weaving like it's it really is again we're you know if we go back to the cooking analogy or 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 a textile analogy with weaving like listen the rel- realism is kept there because the the ghost mm. story is a racist ghost like mm. so all this stuff you're following along in the story of the real world for these people is being echoed not only by the crosses burning on the street but also by the fact that this ghost was a racist and killed you know eight black people in experimentation it's also going back to the magical elements and saying but also we have the lodge here who just happen to be doing this as well because you know the the lodge is just as evil as the white people who are racist around here but Mm -hmm. here's a ghost story and so and it it holds to classical ghost story tenements it has the poltergeist moment and that's what Mm -hmm. i'm saying you're weaving in all the fun fundamentals you know about you've watched poltergeist so you've taken your notes on poltergeist you've got your beats from poltergeist and you're gonna say i'm gonna adapt this one maybe you watch a little mm. bit of the changeling a couple of the other really mm. good ones that have the mm. scary ghost stuff boom you've got mm. it now you've got three stories that are three different kind of things that you're gonna put together and man mm. they did it brilliantly like they just balanced did it so so well that's right so, so that's the third one, and, and in the interest of time, we'll move on. But again, it's it's that's mm. the ghost stories. So if you love ghost stories, yeah. that's the one to watch and say, "I Definitely. love my ghost stories." We would encourage you to watch them yeah. all, but they're all going to have a theme now going up into the tenth episode, yeah. which is the tenth one's the only one that kind of loses the theme again. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I would say. Yeah. So number four, yeah. which one's number four, Ed? Uh, History of Violence, which was my my kind of favorite episode. I wouldn't. I would argue not the best episode. But my favorite because of its like adventure elements and Indiana Jonesiness to it. Uh, essentially, they find out some information about this guy, Winthrop, who stole some pages from the Book of Adam, which is this spell book mm-hmm. that everyone's trying to get their hands on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be that Atticus's uh, uh, ancestor, who was the slave girl that was that was raped. Um, and therefore Tick has the blood of Adam in him, um, it, it, she might have taken the book. Um, but they end up going to a, um, a museum, museum in Boston, in Boston yeah. yeah, which uh, this you know wealthy guy, Winthrop, who stole the pages, he kind of donated money to and, and built a whole wing. You know, and I didn't mention it before, but just let me interject very quickly here, Ed. Like, mm. another testament to, to what they're doing, like, most stories about America that you get... Mm. Even talking about a sect of America, they would have stayed in Chicago, or they would have. Mm. They would have. What I love about this is, and they don't ever really go to L.A., so you never get to see the West mm. Coast or or, or the mm. Southwest or any of that. But you get to see a good chunk of America this way, yeah. because most yeah. of the time your story is going to be very focused on certain areas, and so you're like, oh, that's what Cincinnati yeah. looks like. I was just watching Queen's mm. Gambit with my wife, and you know that mm. takes place in Cincinnati and Lexington and Covington and Paris and Russia mm-hmm. as well, but really centers on the mm. Midwest. There, this. You're going all the way over to New England, which is a completely different area from from mm. from where they start in the Midwest. So I just thought that but was still really cool. very Lovecraftian, right? Still very like well. Uh, so the so New England Lovecraft Lovecraft country is real, like you know what I mean? It, it's yeah, it's yeah, where yeah. he wrote his stories and where he, and in New England is like a, a haven for horror yeah. writers because obviously Maine Stephen and, King yeah. is up in Maine, right? So this is yeah, yeah. and this is all old America. This is like the yeah, first exactly. America like that the, the pilgrims the, and the, the white guys the history, form. the pilgrims, you right, know. So it yeah. has this very quaint and, and in a lot of the 
old money in America is lodged up and there. And a lot of folklore as well, right? That's like, right, um, because that's where the Puritans came over and would have started imposing mm. their, you know, Salem's in, 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 in that area. So yeah. so that's just something to, to, to be cognizant of. America is a big place, guys. It's not like England yeah. that way. We're, we're not yeah. like the UK even. We're, you know, you yeah. have some diversity, obviously, between the different countries in the yeah. UK. But in America, like, it really is quite different from the middle to the yeah. end to everywhere else. It's closer to Europe or, or yeah. like, you know, Russia and, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, so so they end up finding an entrance to a total like Indiana Jonesy temple. Yeah, and it, and it was kind of cool because you and I were like um, texting back and forth, and uh, and I was like, I saw Indiana Jonesy, and you were like, yeah, like Indiana Jonesy, Indiana Jones is very Lovecraftian. And I was like, whoa, cool, that totally makes sense. Yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm such a smartass about it. And I think that's why Ed sometimes gives me a look, but he's such a good sport, because I am a smartass. I love to prove that I know something someone else doesn't. And so he's like, it's Indiana Jones. And like, and Indiana Jones stole it from Lovecraft. <laughs> that's probably not, you um, know what I mean? Like, I yeah. imagine George Lucas was just a fan of Lovecraft and of those yeah, stories, yeah, yeah. so. Again, you know, like like art in, inspires artists. And and, right. and this this worked really, really well, like, you know, puzzles. It felt very D and D. And and I think the other thing it does is it, it 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 the other thing we didn't talk about last time, but why this one is like when we could talk about the Indiana Jones things and then maybe just kind of move on. To be honest, is it's a lighter episode. Like I don't remember mm. this one because we're gonna get into a couple more. They're like, whoa, that's heavy. Like yeah. this one was yeah. about fun. It was about like we're on an adventure. Yeah. We're gonna go yeah. find the mystery. And it was very Scooby Doo, yeah. and it's like yeah. you needed a Scooby Doo episode because you had three yeah. episodes of just like kind of like holy shit, man, like. Mm. Shit's getting dark around here. You know yeah. what I mean? And this one was like, we raggy, where's the book? Yeah. Um, and again, just before we do move on, um, there was a character that I really liked in this, but I was a bit bummed out by kind of how they dealt with her. Oh, uh-huh, right after I say the uh, Scooby-Doo bit, you're going to bring in the darkest yeah. moment in that episode. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It's, uh, how, it, it's, it's how we correct it, but, things. <laughs> but I think, I, I think that's, I think maybe this is the only one, and, and, and like I said, this was probably my favorite, but this might be the only episode where some, those, the, the that blending that we've been talking about of the realism with the fantasy, with, it felt yeah. with this particular character just a little off, and we, just a and tiny we thought, little off. Like in the original podcast, I love how we keep referring to this thing. I am going to have to post it. <laughs> like, what is he talking about? But originally, yeah. we thought maybe that was in the book because this is all based on a book yeah. that's been written. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a very cool idea. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Misha Green based, you know, adapted the book to to a TV show. So mm-hmm. we originally thought maybe it was the book that hampered them and only had that character in for a few pages, mm-hmm. or maybe it wasn't translated. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually more of what you're saying. I think you've got the story arc of the Indiana Jones bit. So they're saying, okay, we're going to bring mm. these aspects of Lovecraft in. It's going to look very Uncharted, which is that video game. Mm. If you haven't played, you should yeah, play. Yeah. Indiana Jones, you know, we're going into deep into temples and we're doing this stuff. And the problem would be a story like that, you would never hamper any sort of, you would never linger on a death like that because it's it's why mm. you laugh at Indiana Jones. The amount of people they kill in that movie and you're just like, ah, well, mm. you know. They were Nazis, yeah. or they were they weren't they weren't important. They were red shirts. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. This yeah. is treated that way, and I agree with Ed. So it's the only time I, I give a big shout out last time. It's the only time you have the presence of some native characters coming through on this yeah. one, and she's she's and also like a, a gender non-conforming as well. That's like, right. So it's the two spirits. So it's a it's an androgynous spirit. You know, it, it looks like mm. a woman to me, to be honest. But it's androgynous. It was play, it was it was played by a woman. So you yeah. know, but but the idea was like they introduced this character at the very end of that episode. And and then promptly Montrose, which is that's Tick's father, who's with them. Mm-hmm. Because when you lose George, she's replaced by, by Montrose. 
and um, mm. Montrose just kills him. And we were talking about how that fits into Montrose's arc because he's yeah, which 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 honestly, after we talked about it, I felt a little bit better about it. Yeah, um, so we're we're gonna mention that because every one of these characters. Another thing that we talked about that we will say briefly here because we talked about it a lot more on the other one, but I'm not sure if we get you know we get any traction out of it without keep moving here. You know. The, each character here is not a side character. There are very few yeah. characters introduced, and this was one of them, and why Ed and I had kind of a problem with that. But every other character you're going to see in this generally will have some form of backstory, some drive. So Letty, George, Montrose, Hippolyta, you know, uh, D, they, they all have Ruby. They all mm. have their own thing going on in this, yeah. as opposed to just Tick being kind of the center of attention and us all yeah. working off of Tick. That's unique because that's not normal mm. for storytelling. Um, they're not as big as separate protagonists. I think Tick is still remains the main protagonist, yeah. but it definitely yeah. gives them more traction. I think in a, I think in a film you can't do that. I think mm. in a film you're going to run way too long, and that's where mm. you know unless you're a Harry Potter and going to write seven films about it, you're just not going to be right. able to do it. But in a I TV mean, they, show, they, they they did it well in ten hours. Yeah, right? in ten hours, everybody kind of gets their point. Everybody has like their own episode is what we were talking about. You know, yeah, so, pretty much. So that works really well for that. But yeah, yeah the, um, go ahead, buddy. But the, what uh, you know, what you were saying about uh, Montrose, and it does, it does say a lot for that for Montrose's character, uh, Michael K. Uh, Williams, who's amazing in this. Um, you know, most people will know him from uh, The Wire, um, and. Uh, he's yeah, he's amazing in this. Yeah, he's just so, as bizarre in the wire. I love the fact that he he's very good at these kind of characters that surprise you. I think yeah, that's the yeah. biggest thing Montrose does is a lot of times he'll surprise you. Not in good ways, you know what I mean? In ways you just yeah. you didn't know. He's very good at hiding kind of aspects of his character until you need to see them. So but yeah, mm -hmm. so Indiana Jones for number four. Number five, Ed, which which one is that? Uh would go would delve into body horror. It's the strange case. Oh, this is my favorite one. Yeah. So I mean the, the short version of this is is basically it opens with us seeing this terrorized white girl. And mm. we kind of know what's going on because at the end, all these episodes bookend really well. So always yeah. make sure you watch them in order because the end of one episode mm. will help you with the next one. Sets it up. And at the end well, of the yeah. last episode, Ruby all of a sudden was going to go have sex with William, who is the brother of Christina and is one of the evil white people. And you're like, wait a second. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's not Christina's brother because that would mean that he had the blood of Adam in him. And I think that was the whole point with, you know, Christina was the only uh, child. Is it her cousin then or something like that? Yeah, they, they, they might be like related or, or something so like that. You, or they might have even had some romantic thing. Who knows? You, you saw him mm. at the house before. Yeah. I think he yeah. was killed. Very creepy. Like you see him die. Yeah. Yes. And then you see yeah. him again. And that's because, just because because you should have watched this already, guys. But yeah. if you haven't watched <laughs> this, it's really Christina playing yeah. William. But so you yeah. see William approach Ruby and Ruby is just kind of like, what the fuck? You know, mm. and, and but she does end up sleeping with this guy because he's taken yeah. a huge interest to her and she's had this really rough evening because of something else. Um, yeah. So the next episode opens in the same location <coughs> that you saw the two of them having sex, except there's mm -hmm. this white woman who's running out in a robe, freaking out and whatever. And by, I would say, you know, I, I pretty quickly, I got it. But by the, by the time she's in front of the barbershop, you're like, oh my God, yeah. it's Ruby. And then she yeah, tells yeah. people that she's Ruby. And so yeah, Ruby yeah. is all of a sudden this white woman that you saw before. You saw her, you know, taking care of the Shogos in the second episode. So you're like, something weird's going on here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then at the end of the intro, because this has this this show is really good for intros as well. It always has a good lead up. And then the title screen is like a new artwork for Lovecraft Country. Yeah. I love that. 
Um, yeah. But the intro to this is basically her going back, like William running into her, and then like ripping her out of this this clothing. You don't really see what's going on. Like she's thrown mm. to the ground. He starts ripping away her skin, and then has like an mm. axe open, and you're just like, oh shit. So mm, yeah, so intense. It is. It's really intense, and it's body <laughs> horror, which we we went into big detail yeah. before. I I body horror is my thing. Like if you want to scare the crap mm. out of me, body mm. horror will do it. There are two two instances of scare the crap out of me moments. In, in Lovecraft Country, this would have been one yeah. of the episodes. This one was like, oh, dear yeah. God, I don't like body I do love body horror, but I don't because it scares me. Yeah, so- yeah. Um, I, I just, I loved the, um, you know, tackling head on of, you know, living in someone else's skin, literally a different color, right? Yeah. And experiencing that and and what she what she does. Right, because it's it's another aspect of of, of mixed and black culture, right? So and it's it's one that I maybe it's my favorite episode because this is one that I felt I could relate to. Like the idea is that what Ruby does is she turns herself from a black woman who's been applying for a job at Marshall's, which is like one of the head department stores in Chicago, most of mm-hmm. her adult life and never getting the job. Mm-hmm. She shows up as a white person on the first day and is done, mm-hmm. like done, done, done. Yeah, so when I, was, gets manager, when I was talking to you about the interview job, stuff, yeah. like watch that yeah, scene because yeah. that happens. Yeah, yeah. That really does really happen is. all the time. Still happens today, guys. Like that's how interviews can go when you're when you're dark skinned. Um. So she gets this opportunity then to be, pretend to be a white person. And what the, the episode deals with as that kind of bit, the realism bit is, what is it like when a black person can pretend to be white? What is that privilege mm. that you get? Now, as an octoroon, that means I'm an eighth and it's, it's not a really a, a well-used term, but it's what we've been mm. called in the past. So as an eighth mm. black, I think that's what I am. I might be a quadorno, mm. but... Um, as an eighth black, that is largely how people like me were treated throughout his, you know, throughout American mm. history. My sister and I have very different experiences when it comes to this because my sister is seen as exotic. So it just helped right. her get more boyfriends back in the day. You know what I mean? Mm. For me, it's always just been like, oh, we don't quite think he's white. So, right. and you can feel that with certain people. So what Ruby was getting to experience is, what if I could just completely go out there and play as a white person? What benefits would I have? There's that's controversial because it's like, why would you want to do that? And the show delves into that heavily, 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 heavily. And I love the debate on it because William slash Christina is the other half of that debate saying, don't try to bullshit me that you wouldn't want to be a white person if you could. You do. And I just think that is such a good conversation to have because, again, a lot of people pick up on the Black Lives Matter movement and think there's this animosity toward the white experience, like being a white mm. person. Like, no. Mm. The whole point is, like, if everyone could live that way, we would. Like, so much right. nicer not to have to be restricted mm. because of the color of your skin or something that you had nothing to do with, but that's not reality. And so, mm. what if it could be is the question. Mm. And I just, I love yeah. the discussion on that. Yeah. I also really enjoyed Christina's point of view uh, in becoming a man. And her argument about taking power and which then pushes Ruby to do some pretty dark shit at the end. So that's right. That's uh, that's right. And and I, I just, yeah, because we, we talked a lot about that in the last one. Like, this is the first time you start to get Christina's perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Why do I like Christina's perspective? Because it's an honest perspective. She says, yeah. listen, I'm white, I'm beautiful, and I'm rich. Okay? Mm-hmm. I want all of this power. I don't care if you're black, white, Japanese, whatever. Like, it doesn't mm. me- matter to me. Nobody mm. matters to me. And so mm. I just think that's an important point because 
a lot of times as someone who's a minority, we will attribute racism to people that it's actually not racism. They're just right, horrible right. people. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And we do the opposite yeah. as well. We, we, we take nice people and attribute things to them that aren't necessarily a racial characteristic. You know, like mm. not everything that happens is based mm. on, and that's her argument at least, not everything that happens, good or bad, is always based on the color of someone's skin. Like, uh, and, and, I, and I think she makes a, a good argument in saying, look, my father never wanted me like uh, and just simply because i and she says to i think she says it's a tick at some point where she says just because of what you have between your legs you know you are heir to everything and i'm not when she's twice as smart works twice as hard and wants it twice as much as everyone else i mean when when she's in theory you know been born into it right like it's it's just an interesting perspective and it's also something that you can kind of say to say okay like i get where she's coming from you know and we you know we've talked about we haven't done black panther yet have we no for, no uh, no i've stopped on mcu for a while should, like yeah. it was funny because i'm like i'm gonna have to pick that back up so we can finish it up you know we, yeah. we will talk about that's it. one we should definitely talk about because killmonger um in that as in terms of uh, an evil person with a bad guy with a point of view with an argument is so it, much more compelling. it really struck with you because you bring it up every time with that movie like i want to mm. go back and watch this now because I, it didn't mm. strike as loud with me but the first time i watched mm. it but i'm sure i'll be watching and i think for it. christina christina falls very much into this. she's probably one of my favorite bad guys uh, that I've ever yeah, seen I mean, on the TV listen, show. without getting into too much detail, but again, I, I can always try to relate things back to, to my own experience. Like, one of the things I've always had to explain to, to people is being a second-generation rich kid. Um, yes, when I grew up, I was very, very wealthy. You know what I mean? My, my dad made lots of money. You know, we had plenty of things. Um, did that mean, like, nothing bad ever happened to me? No. And I used to have to argue right. with people about that. Because, like, oh, well, you yeah. had this. You weren't poor. I went to college with yeah. a guy who hated me just because my parents had money. And it was like, mm. but you don't even know me. You know, I used to room yeah, with exactly. this. He was one of my roommates. And I was like, dude, you can't just dislike me because yeah. I have stuff. I, you know, I took all my stuff and put it in the dorm room. And it was like, if you want me to get rid mm. of this stuff, we can. And it was, it was mm. just the sheer, like, wealth that I had that upset him. And it was like, that's not my choice. Like... I'm sorry that I was, you know, a kid that got stereos and TVs and things like that. Trust me, by the time I was 20-something, by the time Ed met me, he can tell you for a fact, like, that was long gone, mate. Like, I was in Korea on my money, not anybody else's mm. money, because yeah. my father came from around the way and came from, you know, humble upbringings. And he said to me, I don't want you being just like these, you know, trust fund kids that you grew up mm. with that don't have a clue. I want you to know mm. how to fight for yourself. So at 18, he's like... I still remember this conversation. It was like, son, I have provided all the things you will need to succeed in life. You have had the best of education. You have had the best of things up until this point. It is now on you to take those gifts and go out and make yourself. And I had to, you know, so whatever. Yeah. But I, sorry, I guess the point I'm making is that's part of what Christine is trying to say. It's like you can't blame people for where they come from. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't blame white people for being white. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. white people yeah. are white. That's that's the color they're born in. It doesn't do us yeah. any good as a minority to say it's not fair because you're white. Like they didn't yeah. choose that. That's the same thing. Yeah. What we have to exactly. do is initiate the discussion, which is why I love this episode because it does. It says yeah. we're not going to hate each other. We're going to talk about the good and the bad about where we come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. let's move yeah. on to as, as we're getting up there. We might get to two and a half again. Yeah. Ed. Um, as we're moving up there, let's <laughs> I'm get not up, surprised. We'll get up to we're on episode six now, right? Which is the yeah. meet me in Daegu. All right.
Ed, just please, just let us know. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, this was massive for both of us because, literally, we met in Daegu. Uh, in South Korea. <laughs> Thanks, Misha. So if if there was if there was any doubt in Jason's mind, in Jason's egomaniacal mind, narcissistic this mind, this was written specifically for him. Uh, then you know that was dispelled here. That was it. That was it. Uh, Ed was done. Yeah. Ed was going to try to argue that not everything's about you, Jay. But he was like, well, <laughs> and then I was like, fine, Misha Green, I guess, like you know, knows me somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but this is a prequel, so we get to see uh, Tick um, during the Korean War, uh, which he escaped. He he signed up in order to escape his father, uh, who used to beat him pretty mercilessly. Um, and uh, we see, we really follow, it's the first time, no, it's not the first time, this is exactly what you were saying earlier. We kind of follow another character's perspective but this is only a character that has been alluded to in other episodes mm. because a couple of times tick makes a phone call to south korea right to seoul south korea or to yeah a, a number in south korea and um this is where we find out who this girl is jia uh and turns out she's a nursing student um, who seems wide-eyed and loves American movies and, and seems are, to are, be looking... Some, there are some truly amazing scenes with that. Like, the, yeah. the reason he brings that yeah. up is there's Beautiful. a scene where she she dances in front of a movie, empty movie theater, and um, A, it was so Korean. So this is the KR. Yeah. So if you want to learn a little bit about Korean culture, then watch this episode because it is chock-full of what we loved yeah. about Korean culture and why they are masters at cinema. It's funny because I think this is directed by an American... But it looks like a K-horror film. You know what I mean? They yeah. they clearly had watched all the Korean horror stuff and Korean films like Parasite and modeled this after that. It had the same shot techniques, the same kind of pacing, the same interwoven plot. Uh, huh, yeah. Um, and we quite quickly find out that she is not what she seems. She is actually a kumiho, which is a nine-tailed fox from Korean um, mythology. Uh, and uh, we do eventually find out that um, she was summoned by the mother of the human that she's kind of inhabiting uh, to kill her husband, and it's, who was abusing her as a child. And it's such a it's, it's such a Korean horror story because then then the deal is that they make you know is that the the mm. Kumino has to kill a hundred men before she gets her daughter mm. back. And I just I right. love that because that's all very like Korean myth the way yeah. the stories yeah, are told. Yeah. You know, the yeah, other yeah, thing, yeah. just to shout it out on here, this is something, if you watch that episode, guys, and you're like, wow, this is really cool, just to flick you over to another LVP thing, Dirty 20 has interviewed a guy who's worked with Ed before called Aurelian. Aurelian has created a book called Choreo Hall of Adventures that is basically a D&D book that sets out, you know, Korean mythology that you can play in with Mudongs, because there's a Mudong mm, in this one. Yeah. Listen, yeah. if this stuff was interesting to you, a lot of people buy these D&D books, you know, just for the sake of learning about the mythology the lore, and yeah. to read about mm. it. Check it out. We, you know, you can watch mm. the interviews. I think I've linked to his webpage so you could order it or contact him if need be. If for mm. some reason you desperately want this book and can't get it, we can contact Aurelian and try to get you a copy. But I would encourage sure. you to look at it at least. Like, it's the mm. kind of thing that that's part of the reason Korea was so impactful for Ed and I is it really is an amazing but different place. You know, nothing mm. in your Western civilization lives is going mm. to prepare you for another civilization that functions 
just as well, if not better, than Western civilization. Mm. Um, but it has a completely different set of myths, has a completely different set of background. You know, that's the kind yeah. of stuff when Thousands I... Thousands of years of history. That's right. In the 20s, when I traveled the world, those are the things that I loved. You know, it's just seeing yeah. that kind of, you know, an entire culture, because we have this perception that we are the pinnacle of culture and we know what's going on and everywhere else is kind of backwards. Couldn't be farther from the truth, guys. And this is an episode that will show you that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also get to see Tick um, and we definitely get a darker side to him. Up until now, he seemed like the heroic protagonist, but you now see, like the first time you meet him in this episode, he shoots someone in the head. That's right. So, And, and I think that's important because another thing they wanted to do here, which we talked about is... You know, Korean War, as it's proposed in American history, is very much communists tried to take over Korea. We saved them. We pushed them about. First time I realized that story wasn't entirely true is when we went to Korea. Because they will mm. say to you, like, we don't hate the North Koreans. They're our cousins. And you're like, mm. oh, what, what do you mean? But they're, they're communists. And they, they, you know, mm. they keep their people in poverty. And you're like, yes, yeah, so what? They're still our cousins. Mm. And you're like, right, right. oh, okay. So, you know, how would you want things to be? And for them, they're like, they would really just kind of want more mutual kind of relationship the Americans between out the two. And because yeah, they're, yeah. they're afraid that the American presence is the reason that Kim Jong-il or Kim, is it Kim Jong-il or Kim? Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un, sorry, his son, you know, would just at any moment push the button and, and all of a sudden South Korea gets wiped off the map for the fact that the Americans want the North Koreans gone. Mm-hmm. This kind of, yeah, this shows you a bit of that because again, mm. the real battle in North Korea was a proxy war because we were fighting communists in America. We, you know, this is the McCarthy area where, you know, nothing Soviet can survive, right? So we were, right. we were killing people in our own country who we suspected, you know, on, on, you know, suspected wrongly to be associated mm. with the communist movement and, and it's mm. it's a really horrible time in American history, to be honest. And mm. so this shows you some of that because the soldiers mm. in, in America, and we heard stories about this when we were out there, but never really saw it, were terrible. You know, just absolutely mm. terrible. They didn't care about the Korean people. They go marching through the towns with tanks and handing out flyers, but want nothing mm. to know of culture. And the problem is we know that to be true about American culture, that mm. Americans are notorious for waltzing into other people's countries and then just disregarding what's there and being like, well, here's an American flag and have some fun. You know, like <laughs> that's that's part of it. And, and the, you know, I have to hold it to Korea. Koreans, despite that presence of the Americans, they've really held true to their own culture. And I mm. I applaud that. You know what I mean? Like, that mm. doesn't happen everywhere. So, No. Um, I mean, part of it is massively ingrained racism in their culture. But uh, that's for a whole other uh, podcast. <laughs> but I, I, think, I think this episode does... So, obviously, you know, the Korea setting is really cool. But there's some really interesting characters. I think G.I. is a really interesting character. Um, her friend her friend who, that gets killed the communist yeah. yeah who gets killed she's a communist there's an illusion that she might be gay as well the Uma uh, you know, I thought it was funny it kept being written in the subtitles Uma and I was like I thought, I thought it was Oma yeah. you know it's with an O Umma, not a yeah. U <laughs> right like I think you know like I, that's where my our like career, we were like oh, they're not doing that right but <laughs> but uh, that that was really interesting also like you know the relationship that blossoms between Tick and Jia is quite beautiful. Um, and again, it touches on soldiers fighting for a country that doesn't care well, about them. And you know, you've just kind of explained to me why this episode, because when we talked about it in the last pod- podcast, which is, 
going to be equally as long as this one now. Um, you know, <laughs> we talked about it in the last podcast. The, the problem with this episode, we loved it so much, obviously, because, you know, the narcissist in me was just hugging this from left to right. But it is an outlier of an episode. She, Gia mm. will come in at the end of the story again in a very powerful way. But largely, she's kind of this background character in the story. And then they made mm. a whole episode about her to explain why she's an important background character. But then we're going to go back to everybody else. And so, right. you know, I told Ed, I was like, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. But part of it, I guess, what's really awesome is this is the progression of a, of a you know, it's the first time in this whole tale we're really getting more into the magical aspects. They've really pushed, this is her story because it starts with the relationship that you're talking about, the 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 catharsis as it were the that rom- we need the for the romance, yeah, yeah the catharsis for the protagonist that's what we're that's why i'm mm. saying it's her story because she's the mm. protagonist in the story in this one yeah, yeah and the yeah, catharsis yeah. begins with her relationship with the communist girl that's when she mm. starts because the communist girl you pointed this out in the podcast before you said one of the greatest lines is when she says we're all human and mm. and you know obviously you get a funny look from from our our you know kumino nurse who's like eh, if you want to do but that's the theme of that protagonist like that's her yeah. arc and so right. what the, the the reason it is beautiful is because even mm. though she isn't human, Tick mm. is able to explain to her why she still should be treated like a human being because right. she clearly has feelings. She clearly has emotions. She clearly – it's the same argument you make against racists saying you do not yes. fundamentally understand these are yes. people. These are not a different race. These aren't a different species. Oh. Like they have the same thoughts and fears and everything that you do. You know, and I, I do find that with, 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 you know, at least uneducated white people I grew up with, like that was the hardest thing to get across that like, there's no difference in the thought process, mm-hmm. you know, even though they may speak a different language or even though they sound different in their head, it's exactly the same as you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. here we've done that with a spirit. So how cool is that? Right? Yeah. I mean, the, uh, I'm, I'm reliving the enjoyment of watching that episode, just talking about it, to be quite honest. So, um, this is, this is my favorite run. Like. Uh, the, the whole the whole season's amazing, but from episode three to about episode eight, like I, it's just episode after episode was just amazing. Just hitting you hard with it. So, so yeah, in the interest of time, we move on to the next episode. Then, which was yeah. which one was this one, Ed? I am. It's the Hippolyta. Episode. Oh my god! Right. I like, know. This is why this this is why this, this is why it took two and a half hours last time. <laughs> Man, that's such a good episode. What a good episode. Such a good episode. Yeah. So. Again, take it away, Ed. Though, because this was this was one that like we had different ones that we were uh, gaga about. Ed was gaga yeah. about this one. So I walk was. us through it, please. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this uh, focuses on Hippolyta, uh, who wife was of George, George Freeman's wife. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and um, mother of Deej. <clears throat> yeah, we've seen her a couple of times. She's struggled with the death of George, and she's still struggling with it. But this is where we really. Get That's right. Her. So, I mean, in the beginning, like we talked about, I'm going to stop saying that. So one of the things that was cool was the opening scene What I explained to Ed and I, I put it in a lot more detail in the podcast if you want some, some juicy bits, but like, that opening scene with George and her in the bedroom, like that's a, oh, that's a, yeah. that's a father and that's a father and, and, and his wife. Like that, yeah. that is how it goes because you have all this mm. love and you still, Husband and wife, you still yeah. look at her, you know, like you do before, but it's like, but you've got responsibilities. You're older now. You don't look like you used to like, you know what I mean? Like it's still such a warm and happy feeling. And, and it, and they come back to her at the end of this episode, that, that exact scene. That Right. But equally from that initial outset, Hippolyta is is put as this kind of like mousy character, like as this yeah. with you as always is Garth. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And slowly, like first time we notice that might not necessarily be the situation is when she gets the, what she's going to use in this episode. She gets the, yeah. you know the word Orary. for it. yeah. Yeah, because she starts asking these really high, we, we know she's really intelligent, but she starts asking right. these questions. Because earlier, she, when they went to the museum, I think, uh, like we discovered that she had actually named a comet and wasn't allowed to be the face. She discovered a comet, but because she was black, right. she wasn't D, allowed to D be the face. D has like an overnight in the museum and tells that story and says like, my yeah. mom was the one who was is named <coughs> after the, named this comet, but they wouldn't let her keep mm. the name because she's a black kid mm. and they thought it would be bad mm. for the scientific community. So, mm. so that's what I mean. We, we've we've heard in the background that maybe she's a bit upper, underrepresented, and then I'll let you go, Ed, because this is the episode where yeah. we find out just how underrepresented she is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she decides to uh, investigate about, um, you know, George's death, which uh, she was lied to. She was told that the cops got her, the racist cops got, got George. But she does, like, things aren't kind of uh, matching up. She ends up working out how to, um, how to open the orrery and finds a key inside with uh some coordinates uh which she decides to go to and finds a time machine um which, which uh, i corrected there's... you last time i'll correct you again it's an interdimensional thing she's sorry she's not necessarily going anywhere in time okay okay yes uh i mean it's an interdimensional t- machine um <laughs> it's just because 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 tick goes through anyway like so she's there some cops show up who work for the horrible um uh captain cop who's also a magic user and stuff bad cops yeah he's been hassling larry and uh and and the guys in in chicago and stuff um but uh there's a little kind of firefight um and they shoot the machine which starts up and Tick comes in, kind of saves the day a little bit, uh, but they both get sucked into this interdimensional portal. And that's when the fun begins. That's right. So this is the, you know, if you read Lovecraft, Lovecraft does also have a sci-fi angle. And I think The Color of Space is probably his most recent adaptation into something modern sci-fi. And it was really good, apparently. Mm. I haven't watched it, but Mm. apparently it's amazing. Um, Mm. He did always have this, you know, extraterrestrial kind of, like, feel to what he did. And in Mm. here, they're also playing on what I call, like, the Rick and Morty effect, because that's why I love that show. It's talking about Mm. interdimensionality and multiple realities. So the concept Mm. would be, and I won't go into it as long as I did last time, but the concept would be that in... And this is a metaphysical argument, so there is no science, there's no mathematics that can prove this, you know what I mean? But based on what we know about quantum mechanics and the way we know how we can see things in the world, there should exist an infinite amount of realities, right? So, in other words, you know, there is another reality where I've said what I'm saying now 10 seconds later, and another reality where I've said it 10 seconds after that, and another one where I've said 10 Mm -hmm. seconds, you know, and everything in between. It's it's very interesting because I talk about it when I talk about storytelling and saying, Mm -hmm. really, when you're storytelling, you're just grasping from these multiple realities because these are Mm -hmm. all things that, you know, don't happen in our reality, but could happen in another reality. Possibilities. Yeah, yeah. Possibilities. That's, that is it. So that is the greatest and easiest way to describe it. 
we live in a, in a universe of possibilities and we exist infinite in one of those yeah. possibilities, yeah, but it's yeah. infinite and could go the other way. So what yeah. Hippolyta's journey is all about is what does that mean? And it, it ties it back to another thing that's really cool in my view, which is more of a, a, a this is very metaphysical, but more of something if you watched I Heart Huckabee, um, talks mm. about a bit if you, if you follow Buddhism. But I always go back to just pure physics on it. Like... We are all born, Carl Sagan would tell you, we are all born from the stars. That's not a bullshit statement, okay? That's science. Mm -hmm. Carbon molecules of which your body is all made up of and every living thing in the world is made up of can only be produced in the dying embers of a dying star. That's it. The most two prevalent elements in all of the universe are helium and hydrogen, neither of which makes life. Do you know what I mean? So... Every single thing on this planet, everything exists as, as a descendant of a star. You know what I mean? And I just think the I Am episode talks about that interconnection. That whether you are Hippolyta, whether you are you know a dancer for Josephine Baker, whether you are fighting Confederate soldiers in a war mask, you know, mm. you are actually all the same people. So, mm. and it's a good point to make, especially when you're talking about racism, because as mad as you can get as a racist, there are elements mm. of that person in you and every single yeah. person. And I feel that is one of the most forgotten things by most people when they start having arguments is, oh my mm. God, you're right. I'm wrong. Like the whole point is mm. you're that person and they're you, which I know yeah. is, it just sounds like a big Barney Lovin when I say it, but <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like that is kind of the yeah. point of this one that she is not just Hippolyta. She is every woman. She is every person. Mm. Every person is like that. I, I, I love, I think maybe from a writing point of view, I love the fact that we had this character who existed and, and felt defined in, in the most kind of cliched, normal kind of ways that you can imagine. And in one episode, they empower her, they explain her point of view. So... Should we talk through the four kind of yeah? Why don't periods you because, because she goes through because the the end message like that's a bit of the background, guys. It's the kind of the sci-fi mm. you know jiggery poker that's going in the background. But what Ed's hitting on is where her her story arc starts going, her catharsis. Mm. So why don't you talk about it a bit, that Ed? Because I think it's important. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the first uh, the f first place she she shows up when she uh, comes out of this portal seems I think it's referred to as Earth five hundred four or, or something like that, but it seems. Maybe futuristic, far future. There's yeah, there's always, a lot of there's very always coordinates tech. given at the bottom. You know what I mean? Like yeah, a, a, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and um, she meets what looks like a, perhaps a, a, a future human, a cyborg of some sort. It has really cool kind of Afrofuturism vibes to it as well, mm -hmm. which I really liked. Um, and um, it, there's a cryptic conversation where she she's asked, who are you? Uh, and she doesn't really understand. She's like, what's going on? You know, but she, she, and again, in the episode, so well written, you show, you, they show her intellect. They, they show her putting That's right. things so together. She, she is, you know, she's basically being encountered by an internet dimensional being that is trying to say, we have found you now because she's traveled mm. through to their reality. And they're like, we found mm. you, but we need to know what you are. You know what I mean? Mm, and it's like, we need yeah. you to understand how things really are. Because, Define yourself. Because these people yeah. are, you know, they're not people. These beings are far more advanced and exist in multiple dimensions, at least from mm. what they're saying, right? Mm, and so mm. the amazing thing about Hippolyta is, I, I think, you know, a lot of, 
a lot of characters that you would write would get in front of this and be completely gobsmacked as to what to do because they'd be like, I don't even know the science that you're talking about. Hippolyta understands it intrinsically and, and doesn't have to like second guess. She she's she would clearly be a Rick and Morty fan. You know what I mean? Mm. Because she yeah, gets yeah, yeah. what's going on and she says, well, this is ridiculous. Well, who do you think mm. I am? You know what I mean? What are you talking about? And so as the being starts revealing like what's possible, she says, you know, she jokes and she says, oh, I'm Josephine. I'm one of Josephine Baker's dancers in Paris in right. 19 blah, blah, blah. And yeah. And boom, she's right Paris. there. And, and yeah. like with any other character that hadn't set up as being you know a scientific genius really they would be completely mm. left and even she's completely thrown off at first and plays as josephine baker's dancer for like you know the mm. montage basically but yeah. then we get to this point after where she's talking with josephine who is an amazing person in history and yeah. i encourage you to look up her story you know mm. just really cool stuff and they're talking about the black experience and how that's different mm. for them and, and how this all works and mm. hippolyta starts understanding what exactly is happening and so she says well i am this and I am this and yeah. then she looks because you know she's looking at this being all of a sudden all this that's that's mm. off camera and she says mm. I am Hippolyta and then boom yeah, she yeah. ends up oh. and uh, yeah massive shout out to Anjane, um Ellis who plays Hippolyta um, she's just absolutely she crushes it but like you say uh, she says I am Hippolyta and we see her rematerialize in some kind of warrior training group um it's a bunch of i think it's dahomey amazons is what they're they're known as yes. like an african tribal unit of female warriors right and again like this speaks so much to the female experience to the african-american female experience to, to, like, but that's what, that's what you're saying so you you knew let me just put it in context because i'm not calling you racist i'm just saying because i was mm. you know i'd have to learn just as much about this but from our perspective, the way we're raised, Ed, we knew those were Confederate soldiers easily on the other side. Right. No question, right? right, right. right? White dudes who fought for slavery in the Civil yeah, War. Yeah. But you have to look up who the, the tribe of, of, of African women are. Right. You're like, I'm, I've never been yeah, taught exactly. that. I don't know, I don't know who they yeah. are. That, exactly. That's the point exactly. it's trying to make. Is it, isn't this ridiculous? Like, you have these powerful, yeah. you know, this is the Black Panther moment. You have these powerful mm. female fighters, and no one has yeah. ever talked about them in history. Like, why? I know. Crazy. Uh, and we get this like awesome battle again like you said against these confederate soldiers and uh you know we, we've gone from her anger at the way she allowed herself to be kind of lessened as a black woman um in the josephine baker section to her kind of seemingly embracing her power as a woman and a black woman and um then she turns around and in a very beautiful, quiet moment, she says, I am Hippolyta. I'm George Freeman's wife. And we transition back to that beautiful scene that you mentioned where they're in bed. It was the first time we ever met both of these characters. We see um, we see Uncle George back, who, again, I, I do want to say that um, Courtney B. Vance, who plays. Yeah, Uncle I mean, and George, I've seen him in so many other things like. Like, yeah. yeah, it was a shame. We we did mention, like, we, we thought it was a real shame that, like, he wasn't in longer. We know that was yeah. probably the story and how it had to go, but, like, yeah. oh, man, he did playing. so good, you know? He was so good. The only other thing so that good. I would point out, because I love that you've gone back to this, there's foreshadowing here. So, mm. foreshadowing from the first time we saw this. So, in the first episode, yeah. there are all these hints where she's like, can I come with you? Can I do this? Can I do this? And he keeps pushing her off and saying no, because he knows... We don't know how dangerous it is, but he knows just how right. dangerous it is for her to travel. And this reverse, yeah, yeah. she says, 
I'm aware of how dangerous it is. You don't need to keep treating me as if I'm some sort of idiot that doesn't understand that when you drive out there, you could be killed at any given mm -hmm. moment for what you're doing. However, I am Hippolyta. I am your wife. Mm -hmm. I am just as powerful mm -hmm. and strong and as smart as you are. And it yeah. makes sense all of a sudden. You're like, he was being dismissive. He treats her, yeah. you know, out of his heart, like he doesn't want to do yeah. that. But trusted, trusted from a married guy, that is a misogyny right. that lives in your heart. Like the chivalry yeah. stuff can go too far. You know, women are completely capable of taking care of themselves. And when you prevent them from doing that, you're doing them a disservice. You know what I mean? They are Absolutely. capable. Don't make them feel like they're not or don't make it seem like they're not. And that's what she's saying. Yeah. Um, and you have this beautiful scene where she kind of confronts George and um, gets him to understand. It was a beautiful, like that, that, that was a scene that could have been in an Oscar winning, like family drama. Do you know what that's I mean? Right. Like, that's right. It was just tone perfect. And then of course, because this is Lovecraft country, we get like a, a final final metamorphosis. Uh, yeah. Where um she is now Arithia Blue, who is the character that her daughter D had created in a comic book that she'd drawn and she that she'd drawn and given to her father every time he went off uh, on one of his trips. And um and she, the, the and ship the ship is the same as in the comic. Yeah, she, like she becomes Arithia Blue to, to basically to save to save Tick and, and 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 a bunch of other characters that are in this moment because she has to power the machine to get everybody back to where they need to be later on in the story. So this is this is kind of a plot device slash you know, just some wonderful foreshadowing for for the role she's yeah, gonna play. I, I, I definitely like for me it was very cathartic like I gone from okay this this is what I see Hippolyta as to like just completely radically That's right. It's now I understand her. I see her. And so, I think they actually I think George actually says that to yeah, her. Yeah, so says, the, I, I mean, see you. Indie filmmaker point is the story arcs as they're written. And I mean it's HBO, so this isn't the only show they've done where it's done this, but they are tight. They are really tight. Mm. The one thing I thought was really cool, because I'm gonna jump ahead just slightly because we're focusing on Hippolyta. Every yeah. single one of these character story arcs, though, also has a counterpoint. It's why we've been bringing Christina up so many times. There is a counterpoint to her arc that I really liked, and it comes uh -huh. in D's arc. So the last bit we're going to talk about yeah. before we bring up to the big finale and, and maybe get to two and a half hours. Jesus, my parent, my family's going to kill me. It's Christmas Eve. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but D goes through something we're going to talk about in just a minute, and that was one of my favorite yeah. episodes, so I'll give you more details on yeah. that. But she turns to her mother after this thing happens to her, because her mother's like, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. Because she's not. She's not in those episodes. Right. And she's yeah. not there. And Dee turns around because Hippolyta gives this big argument. And says, honey, I've been this person. I've been this person. Mm. I've been everywhere. Mm. I've done everything. You don't understand the things I've seen. And Dee points mm. out what people have sometimes point to, pointed out to me when I've made the multiple realities argument is, who gives mm. a shit? She says, mm. the reality is I was here and I was hurt mm. and I was not and, and you, you weren't were here. here. And yeah. nothing you yeah. say, nowhere you have traveled, nothing you could say to me is ever going to change that single reality. And that's, mm. it's important to understand when you watch too much Rick and Morty and think, well, if anything's possible, what does anything matter? That is one of the arguments mm. that Dan Harmon makes in my favorite episode, the, the one about the bugs mm. in, in, mm. In Rick and Morty, and Rick is that character. Rick is a mm. the world sucks. It, nothing, nothing mm. matters. You're all gonna die anyway. And D is the first yeah. one to pull back because there is another argument that doesn't say that might not necessarily yeah. be true. So I just love that counterpoint from a kid because 
I found that in my own life. Like you can have mm. these high-minded ideas about multiple realities and everything, but when my kid asks me for something, like I become the most basic human being again. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it. I'm not anybody but her father because that's what right. she needs me to be. So <laughs> right. I just that was kind of the end of that arc because the rest of the time yeah. she's just treated as Hippolyta, who's now part of the adventure. You know, part yeah. of the group, and she and, joins the party. You know, yeah. she's almost emancipated. You know what I mean from from being this kind of you know wife yeah. that no one listens to into this character that needs to be part of the central central thing. Yeah. So yeah, and then we move on to your your favorite ep- well no I, the best episode is this the I think this we is said the best it was episode. the best it's Misha Green's episode. It's yeah, called Jigaboba, which the title alone, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Don't be using that word Jigaboo around me. Yeah. Because someone has yeah. done that before, and I, I won't tell you what I was like. What did you just say? Um, yeah, yeah. So I was a bit like, hey, wait a second here. Um, and, it, and it has the presence of, we had to look this up last time because I was so worried we were going to get thrown out, thrown off the air for it. But it has these demonic characters. So, so if the last theme was the sci-fi, colorist space, HP Lovecraft episode, this is the It Follows episode. Mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it follows it follows is one of the simplest and greatest horror movies that came out indie horror film that came out last couple of years it has a simple premise this woman a girl sorry a teenage girl sleeps with a boy who is cursed by a demon that follows that poor girl through the entirety of that movie and mm. it sounds really simple what i was telling that is like when i read it i was like Psh. i didn't go see it at fright mm. fest because i was like yeah right i didn't see it at london mm. film festival because i was like I don't understand why this is an interesting film. And then I watched it and it's terrifying. Mm. It is absolutely freaking terrifying because the mm. only thing, the only point of that entire film is to make you scared that something's following you. Yeah. So yeah. transplant, transplant that into a curse that is put on D as part of the story. Mm. We won't go into huge details about it because it would take too long, but she's cursed, mm. right? And she gets followed yeah. by two, what they look like piccaninnies. And if you don't know what a piccaninny mm. is, I would just encourage you to Google it, image it, it's a very racist form of a black person that was used. Mm. There were dolls that were made. You know, it was mm. just, you know, it's up there with the gollywogs and everything else. Like, it's mm. terrible yeah. that it was ever made. But it is great to use as a monster. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So goddamn scary. Like, a couple of times, man, I genuinely thought, I can't watch this. I need to turn That's this off. That's right. So, and, and to be fair, you know, the story itself has to do with the, the cops are trying to do something and they need something. So they're trying to use D to get that something. It's not really important. Yeah. What I would tell you to look at in this episode, Indie Filmmakers, as the really amazing things is the setup of why it's scary. Okay. Yeah. You have a bunch of things going on here. The first thing is the out-of-focus characters, which is one of my favorite horror tropes. And God knows when mm-hmm. I start, you know, when you start seeing my stuff, it'll be all over the place. So you take a character, mm-hmm. you put it really far off, and you take it completely out of focus, and you put eerie music in the background. You generally have to set up that something's about to happen as well, because you can't just make it appear. People won't know what, it, what they're looking at. But the idea mm-hmm. is D knows that something's happened to her, and then all of a sudden, in the distance, out of focus, on a busy street, you see these two things kind of moving. And... Ever so slightly, there's some music playing in the background. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) Then the next thing happens. As we get closer to the end of the episode, we start seeing what's following her a little bit more. And all of a sudden, we see these two picking any girls. And they are dancing. And the way they dance, my wife hates this stuff. It's the contortionist stuff. And so they're moving. They're arching in ways that aren't natural. And, of course, the other thing that the, the, the very smart DOP is doing at the time is he's fucking with the camera speeds he's making them mm. move faster slower faster slower yeah. jerking them around it scares the shit out of people and it works really well mm. and they're moving closer to d every time and all we ever see d doing is like she's on her bike and she's trying to get away trying yeah. to get away it's she's just like same away. thing that happened and it follows it follows all you ever mm. see is this girl trying to get away from this horrible demon that keeps following her and uh, and obviously that that is 
the kind of thrust of of the main thing but the setup is you know her mother's not around she hasn't returned that's right i forgot um, about that yeah and one of her one of her best friends uh who is the bobo in the in in the title uh based on a real life um kid who was lynched um emmett till and uh yeah like it, it again grounds it in like this real place this real time and then just throws this like crazy scary no, stuff. No, no, well, well brought up for that because I, I often, I'll dance around the last scene of that because I talked about it mm. earlier. But you're yeah, really yeah, right sure. to bring that out because the the realism aspect keeps you still really scared. Because I guess you're right. Mm. Had we not had something in the background of this, you might just start flirting away with it a bit and say like it's not really mm. that scary because this stuff's happening all the time now like they'll figure and it especially out especially like like d's kind of frame of mind and and that no one else is reacting to to, to these creatures that are following her and stuff like that that's so. right because they're all so focused on emmett till so i mean emmett till is is telling you from the realism per- perspective the kind of things that happen and, and it shows the outpouring from the communities because mm. ruby makes a really good speech yeah. about this in this episode about how can you not? She's talking to Christina, who she she now yeah, knows is her girlfriend. So she, she didn't quite yeah. know it was a girlfriend at the time, but she's talking to Christina, and she's like, "How could you not feel something?" Like I'm, I, I and, and, and I can tell you, you know, I, I don't know about Ed. I can't speak for Ed, but for me, it happens. Like I get like how Ruby's describing. When I hear about these things, yeah. I get physically angry, like physically hurt by it, because mm. it just you cannot believe that something like this would happen. And the entire community in Southside Chicago feels this way. They all go to mm. Emmett. And, and Ruby's in trouble because Ruby, because she's been hanging out with, with, with William slash Christina, has not gone to, do, to pay her respects to Emmett Hill. Mm. And, and, and it's a big point that, like, people don't understand that this is a community thing. Like, it, you know, mm. Black Lives Matter and all that, that's not just one person saying that. We all feel that way. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and we're all, like, we look for allies, but it is a community thing. You're not just hearing from one person who feels that way. There's a large group that have seen these atrocities and they respond as a community mm. to these atrocities. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, the context of that is, just to get it out of the way, you know, is, is that, you know, Christina says, why do you expect me to understand this? But Christina is in love with Ruby. Like, we know that. Yeah, yeah. And that, so... That, that is very much the vibe you get. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, after yeah. after Ruby just kind of like lays her out and says, how dare you not feel for this? And Christina says, why mm. should I? She's like, again, mm. I don't care about anybody. Why that would I care about one black kid who gets yeah. treated, mis- you know, mistreated? Like, I, I agree it's mm. terrible, but what what mm. difference does it make to my day? Yeah, so yeah. at the end, in the epic thing I was talking about, she goes and you don't know that she never says this. Like, I love yeah, how it's never because Ed was like, I, I, oh, this I is didn't what realize. Happened. But she go- I didn't realize until you told me about it. She goes to the cops and she says, I want to die because she can she has these spells that can keep her from actually dying and she says i want to i want you to do to me what you did demetil and so Mm. she's first she's bad i mean it's terrible it is horrible but i think it works even better because it's done to a pretty white girl and all Uh of a sudden you were like how could you do that to her Uh and it's like it's the same thing they did to that poor little black boy Mm -hmm. and then they kick him in the Mm -hmm. river and she gets out of the river and he never will of course right it's just powerful that's some powerful shit brilliant 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 only other thing i will say about this episode before we move into our grand finale for the ending like the yeah. other thing that worked really well with this so as they're coming closer you had the fingernails bit that's another part that'll creep you out but that's all more the physical mm. aspects the things you're seeing mm. what really did it for me and what no one has done up until this one is there's a song a refrain mm. from a song that plays an old-timey song so it does sound like is it a requiem is it like a funeral i, I don't speech? i don't actually know much about the song and unfortunately i probably should have looked it up between the two days we had to, to redo this but i don't even remember how the refrain sounds but mm. basically it's like a jingle that comes on every time the two like pickaninnies are coming down to get her the two monsters 
are coming down to get her. And the refrain comes when they get extra close. So it's like, let's go out right now. Mm. And it just gets you every time because it, it, you can always hear it in the background when they're coming. But when it gets loud, you know they're about to get her. And the, the, there are a couple mm. times they do get her. And when they do, that song mm. is always playing really loudly. It just had that extra um for me that made it that much creepier. Mm. That was mm. the that was the bit where I was like doing this. I was clenching like, ah. yeah. Uh, and again, we get like a little bit of a return to the craziness of the first episode when the um, Shogoth that is protecting um, Tick shows up and just mullers the car. Oh yeah, no, no, again. no, no. But that's that's what we we talked about this right because you said oh that mm. Shogoth had a different color. So the first group of Shogoths go off, and then in between that episode and this episode, Tick has gone and done this 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 spell that he's not spell, even he yeah. doesn't think it really worked. Um, but then you have like, how is this going to resolve for D? Because things look pretty bad for D, to be honest. Like, yeah. she just can't get away from these things. They're making it out like it, it is a great curse because it it, it totally mm. shows you that like, you know, the cops said they would be hopeless and this stuff. So what happens is in in like a fit of anger, like D's in trouble. The cops are going crazy, and the Shogoth that that um that that Tick has previously summoned shows up and murders the mm. entire room. Oh. So it's good. beautiful. It's beautiful. It is. It's a great it's just, action it's piece. It's just a great thing. Um, and, and, you know, we all love that, that that Shogoth later ends up being the one that's in the, the final piece with D against oh, the moon yeah. and, you know, possible sequel or spinoff. Comic or, book, please. Oh, man, it, like, look, it looked me, like it was uh, ready for a comic book. That was, that was particularly yeah. what it was. But that's where we end at the end of the eighth episode. The cops are all pretty much dead now, but D is still not better. And this is where we run right. into the last episode, the, the last yeah. episode before the finale, I should say. Before the finale, And it's yeah. the, this is 1921 Rewind. So yeah. I don't know best how to describe this as, except as a flashback episode. Like that's the one where I have a hard time kind of saying, that's why we were saying four through eight, definitely, you know, yeah. you can do this. This is the one that's going to take place in the past, I guess, is the best way to describe yeah. it. You're going to see 1920s. Um, 1920s America in Tulsa. So we're going straight to the night of this horrible bombing and riots. And, and there weren't riots, sorry. Bombing and, and massacre of these people. And, and how, you know, again, it's the realism that hits heavy first. The thing I first noticed was when we're, we were looking at the families and the dad comes out with guns against the white guys. Like, they're, they're literally, mm. it looks like the Wild West, but it's not the Wild yeah. West, guys. It's the 1920s. Mm. And so you're right. in Oklahoma in the 20s, and the black people have to basically be saddled up like gunslingers in the Wild West because mm. white people mm. would just come to their home trying to start shit with them all the time. So mm. that was eye-opening for me because I never knew things, you know, my grandparents never told me things got that bad back in the day. You know what mm. I mean? But it's showing you just, you know, this is a progression. In the 50s, things are slightly better because they don't have to carry weapons around. But, right. you know, look, right. look how slow progress is for, for black America. Um, and otherwise, you're getting much more lore in that episode. So, I mean, was there anything else about that particular episode that, that struck out to um, you, Ed? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, again, Michael K. Williams is Montrose. He's a fabulous actor. And up until now, we've had, like, inklings of the reasons why he was so harsh to Tick and why he's an alcoholic and... You know, with the fact that he's gay and he never he, he did what he had yes, to do. Yes, and, to I, and I, I do apologize. In our rush to get through this, last time we spent a good deal of time talking about his character arc, and we've kind of, as mm. I said, we're trying to get to. It's our, we're already over two hours on this one, which is a <laughs> yeah. wonderful Christmas present for you. But 
I yeah, want, you know, exactly. I, I don't. Lots know, of content from LVP this Christmas. this Christmas, but I'm not sure we've got time to kind of go through all that. But we talked. We talked about briefly, you know, to say what we talked about is he's a very conflicted character, and I like that mm-hmm. because his story mm-hmm. isn't the easiest to follow because you're mm-hmm. wondering why he does these things. We brought it up when he slit the throat and said, "Well, why the fuck did he do yeah. that?" But yeah, then I was yeah, pointing yeah. out to Ed, like, like he's a broken character. He's also an alcoholic. Yeah. He also beats his son like his father used to beat him. Like he's full of right. disappointment. And here you get you get that trauma as a young man and everything that he had to go through um you know uh and i think for me that was the more interesting aspect than we need to get the book of adam to save d like that was I, I just think like so because, plot because moving so forward. much of his trauma is released when he finally admits to himself that he's fully gay Mm. And he doesn't need to be ashamed of it, that, that people will just have to live with it. Like there's this, there's that scene, those episodes, you know, there's, there's a couple mm. scenes leading up to that, you know, but yeah. the scene where he's finally with his boyfriend, this is after he's had the, like the quick sex with the boyfriend and they're like sitting mm. around and the boyfriend's getting dressed up. And it's interesting. Cause I thought the scene was going to go another way. This is a couple episodes back people, but you know, he's there with all the other, not the other, but he's there with cross, you know, the, the, the trans transvestites, you know, and the, mm. and the drag Queens doing, doing their thing. Mm. And, he looks really uncomfortable, like incredibly mm. uncomfortable in that scene. And, mm. you know, they're all kind of joking with him. And I expected that scene to go Montrose heavy and be like, well, he's going to go mm. lit on these people because mm. he's going to bring up his prejudice that he's not even comfortable right. with being gay. And instead, right. it does exactly the opposite. And I was so pleased. Like, because mm. in other words, they get him to embrace that side of him and yeah, realize. He falls, he, like, you see him falling in love. And like you, you see him in love. Exactly. And from that point onward, he learns to, like, love himself. Yeah. And yeah. so you and just. This, and this, this episode is massively important for that, definitely. That's right. Because he. This is the episode where he understands why he doesn't love himself. That he was mm. to- told from an early age that he shouldn't be gay, that he shouldn't have any affections for anyone else, because we see mm. these scenes, like. Yeah, I'm being brought back to it. It's really powerful. That scene with, is it William is the boy that he's in love with? Yeah. And he's like, and I couldn't save him. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you find out that yeah. they do actually save everybody else. Like, I won't ruin that part yeah, for yeah. you if you haven't watched it. But it's a really <laughs> great, like, it's almost a back to the future moment. You know what I mean? It's like, it is, Morty, it we got to go back to 1960. There's a, there's a great callback, uh, you know, to the Jackie Robinson stuff in the first that's episode. That's right. That's right. So a lot of cool, like family lore as well. Like, you know, the family was originally from here, like they escaped and survived the, the massacre. And, and, you know, like it ties in very well and it leads well into the final episode. Definitely. <laughs> and, and I think that's another reason to watch the other reason, as I said, I, I thought it was a, it was a show made for me. Like, you know, everybody's got their Ancestry.com right, but, you know, Ed's had to sit through mine, and it, it's, like, it's interesting. Like, it just goes, because yeah, I'm mixed race. Like, no, people went it from is. one country to another just fucking like crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, it, there's some cool stories there because of that. Not because, yeah. you know, like, and I just, you know, I, it's infinitely more interesting than some of the other lines in my family where, well, this person was this person, this person was this person. Like, if you fall, <laughs> being mixed race has its perils, but it also has its adventure. So, right, you know, there's right. all those, those stories of that. But... We get to the final episode then, and, and I guess, yeah. you know, we're, we're coming to the end of the podcast, and so let's just talk about final episode. What was our favorite bits of the final episode? Because it is a wrap-up. Like, there's nothing, this one yeah, is not yeah, a yeah, theme. Yeah. It's just, yeah. let's let's conclude. No, no, it's, it's, it's let's put, let's put everything to bed. Um, I, I kind of have more things that I wasn't crazy about than things that I love, but Ooh. definitely D and, D and the Shogoths were amazing. Um... Like stuff that I wasn't crazy about, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh Jihar 
kind of saves the day and it felt like we had spent no time with her um uh you know yeah um, i i mean that's interesting right like you have her her episode and then you have like i remember the powerful scene of um when she shows up and he's with letty right. and i i remember yeah. that scene because obviously tick later in, in this finale here he's going to apologize for that but yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and it is how a guy would react like it's one of those things mm. that maybe it's because i can relate to it as a guy like you totally don't want to disrespect the woman who's shown up, but you can't believe right. it because you're like, you've totally just tanked things with the woman I'm yeah. trying to be right, right now. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not a double dipper guys. You know what I mean? I have uh, plenty of married friends that are, but you know, that's the problems you run into. It's like, you give your heart out to too many people and you know, he's just pointing out how unfair he felt it. It was to him, you know, that, that like I fell in love with both of you and now you're just trying to show up, fuck up my life again. It's a very male misogynistic response because that couldn't right. get farther from the truth. And he apologizes for that in the 10th episode. Whether that apology is 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 worth it in the end, like who knows. But I do yeah, agree with I'm, you. Yeah. I, I think the problem with her character in the end is she's kind of treated as, oh, you're a spirit, so you really aren't human. So you really can't play games with the rest of us. So thank you so mm. much for saving us all, but we'll see you next time. <laughs> right, right. Um... I also, I mean, like, we've, they haven't been burying the lead. They've been like, he's going to die. Like, Tick's going to die. Tick is destined to die. Like, Jiha has seen it, uh, you know, uh, this, like, everywhere. It's, he's going to die. And then he just does. <laughs> Which, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I felt a little bit like, ah, oh, okay cool it's almost like a, a murder it, mystery it, where someone's well, like he killed him he killed that's him. tough you that in the first 10 minutes and then by the end I, of it you're like you know oh, if okay, i'm honest though i i blame the film world for that because the film world in okay. the 80s you know my, my my daughter's watching all the films today we had scrooge from the 70s on and then oh yeah then the, then santa claus that 1983 corporate yeah, i mean yeah. that is like 80s corporation max i remember loving it when i was kind of watching it now i'll be like what a piece yeah. of turd this is you know what i mean like <laughs> but they got this thing away from the only time you could do tragedy in the eighties. And when I was growing up was in horror, you could do, mm. you could do a bad ending, but otherwise mm. you always had to have these, you know, because Ronald Reagan told us so like you had to have these uber fucking happy endings. Mm. That is why I think we're conditioned dead not to like mm. the sad ending. That is a classical right. ending. That is yeah, a yeah, tragic yeah. hero. Yeah. So, Lovecraft had tragic heroes in all of his stories, and that's the reason it has to be that way, Ed, is because Lovecraft mm. would have never turned that story around and saved him. Like, Lovecraft mm. never saves the protagonist in his stories. He always kills them. Um, right. or, or makes them go crazy or puts them, you know, away from the world. Like, that is how Lovecraft yeah. was. So I knew when they said he was going to die, like, he's going to die. He's going to die, and mm -hmm. there's nothing that's going to change that. But mm. that is the traditional Greek way. It's the Oedipus Rex. You know what I mean? Mm. Oedipus you know, they tell, he gets told you're going to kill your father and sleep with your mother. And the whole story, we're like, that can't possibly happen. And what happens in the end of it? Classic right. storytelling. A lot of Shakespeare right. stuff has that classic yeah, tragedy, yeah, right? Yeah. Hamlet is always destined and the, to... And the, the, the episode is called Full Circle. So, right? You know. So, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why yeah. it can't happen that way. But I totally get what you're saying. That part of mm -hmm. you that grew up in the 80s with the glitz and the glamour and the explosions... You know, we wanted him to be saved. We wanted him to yeah. come back. It's the ultimate mistake they make in the Matrix because the Matrix uh, they set the film up. They should going going yeah going yeah. going back to 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 one of my favorite series top, like top ten. Stick with the eighties, mate, because you kill your best guy in the end when nobody mm. wants that out of a big budget film. 
I don't pay fifteen mm-hmm. you know dollars to see a tempo film where the main character mm-hmm. just. It's why you know Dodgeball famously has the rewritten ending because Ben Stiller apparently wanted them to all lose at the end, and he says, "What's mm-hmm. the you know Bad News Bears is the only only comedy I can ever think of that ends that right. way, where the the right, ending right, is so right. just a downer." And, yeah, and he yeah, said, yeah. we tested it. No one would go see it. I wouldn't have paid 15 quid to see, you know, the dodgeball team lose in the end. So we have to get what we want. In this one, he yeah. was like, no, it's Lovecraft. Lovecraft does not deviate. He never saves the protagonist. I love it. Stick, stick to your guns. I, I mean, that's great advice for any filmmaker. I guess I just like, I want more seasons of this. I don't know if there are going to be more seasons or if they're if it's going to be announced or whatever. But I, I hope Jonathan Majors comes back. That was the actor. Well, that this, Tick. this is the thing. We were debating about this because me, I'm like, I'll be very disappointed if in season, you know, episode one, season two, it's like, and we found this magical spell just like we bought Letty back. We brought right, you back. And right. I'll be like, yeah. it's because yeah. I lived through the death of Superman. I wasted all my coins on those fucking comic books <laughs> for them to resurrect him and be like, oh, no, no, we didn't really kill him. And it's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. You know how much yeah. money I spent on his death? <laughs> I was in mourning, damn it. But um, I mean, thinking about it just globally and stuff. Yeah. I love. Final thoughts, Jerry. Yeah, I love how um, it deals with so many interesting issues, and it doesn't necessarily focus on just one. I feel like there was a lot about, you know, body positivity as well in this, which we I really talked about liked. that with Ruby only because I, I told you I'd love watch Love Actually. You know, you'll be watching it for the holidays. If you're watching Love mm. Actually for the holidays, great film. Totally made my wife feel better after our, our trip to Hull got cancelled. 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 Mm. Thank you. Mm. Um, however, the amount of fat shaming that goes on, mm. I told Edda, like, we must have been really delusional in the late 90s, early <laughs> millennium, because we were, because we had Kate yeah. Mosses yeah. and Naomi Campbells. And don't get me wrong, you girls, ladies, sorry, are beautiful and still very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. However, we had this obsession with people being uber thin. And we've gotten yeah. away from that now, thank God. Thank God, because Wunmi Masaku, who plays uh, Ruby, is so hot in this. Yes, like she's she, really sexy. She's a she's a uh, you know an able-bodied woman that uses her curves to her advantage, and and like that needs to be showcased more. Not saying we need to exploit women on the screen. I'm saying we need to show women more of this. Trust me, empowering and again empower women as well, and empower men like, to start thinking a bit differently. You know what yeah, I mean? Like. Yeah. I think that's also one of the things that I most appreciated. I felt like I wasn't being force-fed truth, but I was like being educated. Like I was, right. I was, I was being told a great story with a with truth to it and fantasy and just overall, I am thoroughly in love with this. I mean, I, I a week ago I would have said to you, Mando was the best TV show of the year. Um, this week, I'm, I'm not sure I can, I can say that a hundred percent. Uh, this was spectacular. Yeah. Beyond spectacular. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, from my perspective, it's a storyteller's dream because it has a bunch of different stories. But the other thing as a storyteller, the reason I'm a storyteller and the reason we do a podcast and I write is because obviously my stories are always supposed to reflect the discussions I like having with people. I'm one of those directors slash filmmakers that likes to have a discussion through what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And, and and bring up points that I want people to debate with me. This does this for you. It literally puts point, counterpoint, point, counterpoint. And it doesn't ever sell you as this is absolutely the way it has to be. It says these are all just views. 
And mm. what do you think? You know, did you was it a happy ending for you? Do you think it was unfair? It never tells mm. you that you're right or wrong, except in mm. the, the the obvious racism points and saying, you know, chasing someone out of a right. sundown town and then doing that. Yeah, we're going to kill those people with Shagos because that's bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, and, and and again, I think something we can all agree on. Yeah, like you I, know. Hope. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, well, exactly. Do you exactly. know what I mean? So, so thank you all very much for for our special two hour Christmas episode. Ed, are we recording? Are we recorded on your side? Yes, we are. We are at two hours and 16 minutes. Very good. Now, the only thing I will say on my side is saying input pixel USB. Now, I have the little waveform saying that it is recording everything I'm saying, but if it sounds a bit tinny or funny over on, on, on when we put this up, it's because for some reason it thinks I'm using <laughs> my, my pixel headphones as opposed to my Rode okay. at, at USB. I don't think it'll be an issue, but I'm warning you ahead of time. Uh, okay. Or warning you after the fact, actually, because you'll have listened to all this and be like, oh, that's why he sounds like shit on the, on the, on the podcast. What, what we can do is we can merge <laughs> the two podcasts and it'll make no sense as we're discussing this. I mean, that's the but... thing. Does, does, does it ever, you know, like I could, I, you know, and it's just using like, Ed loves it when I layer voices because like the first time I did, he was like, how'd you do that? I was like, oh, it's this easy. He was like, oh, that's awesome. Let's do it again. I'm like, yeah, we can do it as much as you want. All you need is GarageBand. So... Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas yes, to everyone. Christmas. I'm about to go join my daughter. I'll pretty much be on Radio Silence, except from Ed now, for the next, until probably at the tail end of Monday, um, because that's when, you know, Monday's a, a bank holiday because we don't get Boxing Day. But, man, mm. I, I love the family time. I'm just going to be sitting watching movies, playing video games. Wife wife gave Beautiful. us an early present. We have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe to play because Ooh! we all love it. So, so yeah, I hope everybody has a great Christmas. Ed, you know, obviously I don't get to see you because we're in COVID land. So I hope Buddy, you have a great Christmas. I will be calling you at some point tomorrow to bother you. And, and we, uh, we, we talk every day anyway now. It's really yeah. funny. Like We just got <laughs> over the fact that we, we like – it's really sad because I think at first my wife was jealous because I haven't really ever had a best friend when we've been together. Like she's been my best friend and she still is like my bestest friend obviously that's the person i sleep with at night but ed and i are really close now like really close and so we just kind of need to talk to each other on a daily basis because just check in you just check in make How sure we're both all right you know it's really weird for me because i'm just not i don't have a ton of friends i'm not the kind of person that does that and i tend to be very self-serving like as you can tell from the podcast so yeah i'll talk to ed tomorrow and then i'll call him the next day. i might call him twice tomorrow because it's christmas and i'll be like ed exactly. what'd you get what'd you get <laughs> all right everybody all right well thank you so much guys merry christmas stick with us 2021 is going to be a great year for lvp yes give more give LV- threads more stuff coming yes, your please, way please give way gta the best christmas present you can and share this like crazy over the break and say i know it's two hours but it's really funny and they loved lovecraft country so it's worth your worth your time because i believe that so please share eric this with eric friends. will be happy because he was like i like the long ones yeah no, this is going to be very pleased you know we, we're going through the whole one and we may do it again for for watchmen and dark materials if i feel like you know this got a good response so if you did like the longer mm-hmm. ones we need you to show us that because that helps me you know regulate the content if you thought it was too bad then fine we'll have five listens to this ed and i will listen to it like three times ourselves because we always do and uh, it'll be fine but Merry Christmas, everyone, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? On that day, I run to the rock.